fun media quiz. Mm-hmm. Name me a media with a time traveling plane inside of it because I want to make a joke, but I don't have like a, I don't have like a good punchline here. I feel like it has to exist, <laughs> right? Like, is Manifest a time traveling plane? Do they time travel in that show? I don't know if there is, which feels wrong. Wrong. <laughs> I feel like somebody somewhere has boarded a plane and then crashed into like 1957, you know? Yeah. Like, I feel like there should have been. The reason I'm trying to make a time traveling plane joke is because right. we are time traveling this week. We have been living in the year 2007 for far too long. Jesus. And we're back to 2022, baby. We're in the future. We're in the now, actually. We're in the present, finally. Wow. Wheels. (laughs) Full speed ahead into the future. Wheels future. Wheels, well, you know, whatever. I'm so excited about this episode okay i me too can i be very real with you yes please i wasn't that excited for criminal minds evolution i'm gonna be real with you i wasn't that excited for it okay yeah okay so we're on the same page here of like i really like criminal minds i wasn't that excited but now I'm really excited for the next episode to drop next Thursday. I think for me, I enjoy a show that is done. I like having a conveying story. There's mm-hmm. no new info. I know everything I can about it. And Criminal Minds is that. And there's a lot of it, right? 15 seasons. Yeah. And it is and it is wrapped in a nice little bow. Nothing's gonna change. And yeah. then I get to get my fan fiction hands mm-hmm. all up in it and decide. So when I heard there was a new season, part of me was like, one, do we need it? (laughs) Who asked for this? Who asked for this? Millions of fans, by the way. So many people wanted this. So many people wanted it. And I want you to know that James and I are the outliers here. Yeah. No. The thing about it was like, first it was like, okay, what is it? Is it, are they just going to start the show over again? Are we just picking up where we left off? Because, okay, I guess, like, fine. You know, two, are they going to make any significant changes? Is Mm -hmm. it going to be worth it to reopen this box? Yes. I I would say yes, now that I've seen these first two episodes. Now that I've seen it, I for sure think it was worth it to reopen this box. Absolutely. It is a little bit like Pandora's box, though. It's a little bit like, I don't know if we can put this back now. The thing is, with the Mm -hmm. show being done, with it being 15 seasons and finished, they can't do any more bullshit to it, right? Yeah. Like, it's already the but, weirdest thing you've ever seen, but it's done. And now that there's new episodes, it's like, what the fuck are you going to do to me now? <laughs> but the other thing is that, like, this is still on IMDb for some reason as season 16, but also as its own show. So, like, we're living in parallel universes. Is this season 16? Is this a different show? Do you Decide. know what this is? Decide. This isn't going to make sense until you guys hear next week's episode. But one end of the wormhole of doubt. Oh my god, the wormhole of doubt! It comes back around! Yeah, so keep no. guys, keep that in your head for next week when we'll be going back to season three. 
but I need you to think about this, okay? One end of the Criminal Minds timeline, it's split from our world at the beginning of season three. And in this break, it has returned to our world, and that's why COVID has happened. Oh my god. The show ended and no. it crashed back into our timeline and it got no. COVID. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. It's all I... coming together. <laughs> Holy shit. I can't believe you made it all come back together. And that is why there are so God, there are so many pictures of Biden and Kamala Harris on the walls of Quantico. <laughs> It is like every new room they walk into. I'm like, why do you have so many pictures of this like, man? Like, are you obsessed woman? with them? What is that? Have you forgotten who's the president? They like really need us to know that we're back in our timeline. We've reconverged on the other end. There's like, it's like two parallel lines and then like a bloop for 15 years and then bloop back to two parallel lines. That's where we are now. Anyway, I'm, I'm, now that I've watched these two episodes, I, I mean, even earlier today, I was skeptical. I watched these. I finished and we started recording because I couldn't bring myself to watch them. I was so worried about... Were you really? Yes. Not like worried is, oh, I know this show and I know yeah. these characters mm -hmm. and I am still, because it's not done, still stressed about the fact that they might introduce something that totally retcons something important in the past 15 years that's the problem with opening the box they can retcon the last box <laughs> yeah yeah that is kind of yeah we are gonna have this discussion once we actually start talking about the case that they take on we're gonna have this discussion because i have some thoughts and feelings i have thoughts and feelings i have so many thoughts and feelings but i have a very specific feeling that you're gonna like lose your mind about should we Perhaps before we before we dive down this rabbit hole any further, should we perhaps get an introduction going? You know, speaking of blowing minds, you know what would blow oh. my mind? Okay. The theme song. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> you brought it back around. I was like, uh Hey there, Benjamin. Fancy meeting you in the year of our Lord 2022. Jamothy, I am delighted to be here. It's 2022. The Truly. sky is blue. I am still wearing a mask everywhere, unlike everybody on Earth. Not a single mask in Criminal Minds, which we are talking about on our podcast, Wheels Up. We're talking about both season 16 episode one and the mini series criminal minds evolution season one episode one so okay so let's start here what are these 10 episodes okay is this a mini series is this like this like farscape the show ended there was a movie and then there was a little mini series is this a criminal minds mini series because Paget's off where they're on twitter talking about if we get picked up as if we could have more criminal minds and even if we do, are we just tacking this season? Is this season 16? Or are we starting Criminal Minds Part 2, the evolution of <laughs> Criminal Minds? Criminal Minds. <laughs> the evolution of Erica Messer. Yeah, no. Um... Criminal Minds, the evolution. 
I don't know. Because don't know. a lot of people have been talking about it a lot of different ways. Right. But what it is, is 10 episodes coming mm-hmm. out on fucking Paramount Plus. God bless. And also is kind of airing. It aired on the first episode aired on CBS on Thanksgiving. I didn't know that it was airing on actual television. It's only the first episode, I think. I don't know if they're going to like keep airing it every week, but I do know the first two episodes dropped on Paramount Plus on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Number one, weird day for your thing to what? drop because everybody's watching football. What the fuck? But now, every week after that, a new episode is coming out. So they're doing a little bit of a weekly release schedule, which I think mm-hmm. works better for Criminal Minds, for sure, especially for the story they're trying to tell. Great. Right. Um, does make it confusing as to what this is. Right, and I think, see, what I didn't realize, what I didn't realize was also going to be on television, but two... I think only the first episode is. Again, don't quote me on that, but I just was sitting in my dad's house watching Criminal Minds on TV again, and I felt like it was (laughs) 2012 all over again. (laughs) But it is weird to me that they dropped the first two episodes on Paramount Plus because now television is going to be a week behind and Paramount Plus is going to end sooner. I don't, again, I don't know if they're doing all the episodes from here on out on TV. I just know that they're releasing weekly on Paramount Plus. Oh. Hold on a second. What? Evolution, Criminal Minds Evolution showrunner shares wild detail behind episodes being way longer on Paramount Plus than CBS. Okay, this website says technically the 16th season. Again, what is this show? I don't know. And at this point, I'm too afraid to ask. The streaming episodes are around 10 minutes longer than the weekly broadcast installments. So they are doing weekly, the whole weekly broadcast, or was that just for the first episode? God. Yes. So the Paramount Plus episodes are the director's cut yeah. of the CBS, which is why this cursing, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, this makes sense then why it has a previously on. You were pissed off about the fact that episode two had a previously on. Okay. This makes sense as to why. <laughs> yes. It makes sense that if they're also airing it live, that there's a previously on. But I don't understand why they didn't cut it from the streaming. If they're already making edits, cut it from the streaming. Am I wrong? No. Well, okay. yes. No. <laughs> yes, because the exact thing they are looking for people to do. Here's mm. the exact use case that some fucking executive was like, you guys need to keep the previously on. Here's the exact case. It's okay. for somebody who watched half of the first episode on TV on Thanksgiving Day, and their dad told them to turn it off because they had to watch the fucking Cowboys game. And then... That person is like, okay, well, let me just Google it and see if I can find the episode if it's on any streaming service. They find that episode two is on fucking Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus is a streaming service that nobody has. So boom, new subscriber. And now to get them caught up, they're like, episode two, previously on, here's everything you need to know from the first app. That is the exact use case. Okay. Okay. So let's start talking about this. Let's talk about this. So we're going to break this episode into sections, and we'll probably keep doing this um, throughout because this show is still ongoing. We can't wrap up the episode when the episode ends. So section one is called Catching Up with the Kardashians, with a K, obviously. (laughs) Of course, of course. 
So first off, Matt and Reed are on some special secret assignment. If I remember correctly from what I read from producers and things, they basically like left the door open for Daniel Henning and Matthew Gay Goobler to return without having to like make up some bullshit excuse as to why they weren't there. They didn't want to kick him out, but they weren't going to be in the episodes. So they're on some special secret assignment. I believe Daniel Henney has a different show now, right? Daniel Henning's on Wheel of Time, which is amazing. Everybody can watch it. He's on other stuff and was busy, basically. Yeah, and Matthew Gray Goobler has been done with Spencer Reed for fucking ages. <laughs> Matthew Gray Goobler has been done with Spencer Reed since 2007. Truly. <laughs> Truly, he could have left at the end of six, season six and Matthew Gray Goobler and Reed would have been happier for it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's talk about everybody else. Emily has been promoted to section chief, which I believe happened at the end of... Okay, here's the thing. I haven't watched the end of season 15. You haven't haven't watched... (laughs) So we're a little bit like, is this news to us or what? Okay. Hold up. Let me go. Let me go to the Criminal Minds wiki. Hold up. There's some stuff stuff that we know is... There's some stuff that we know. We know that Penelope is leaving the BAU. That happens at the end of the show. We know that Emily is getting this promotion to section chief. Also, you don't know this, but we know this. JJ and Will move back to New Orleans at the end of the show. And now they're just back in DC. Yeah, and that's why Will had that moment in episode two where he's like, ever since we got back, things have been super busy. Like, are we okay? Which is so cute. Will is like, hey, can you reassure me that you like still love me? And JJ's like, oh my god, yes, of course I do. I'm just fucking busy. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I was like so cute. I was like, thank you, Will, for acknowledging what we all know that JJ is terrible at expressing like affections. Yeah, you had to chase her down, and now every couple of months you have to be like, do you still like me? Or and JJ's like, what? Fuck you. Of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. By the way, Emily is promoted at the end of um. 15. season 15 basically yes. she um yeah yeah so She's they call her the she is called a section chief in this season which mm-hmm. is interesting because that's what strauss was yes so it looks like in some point during this, she got promoted to section chief. By 2022, this thing right. has happened. Yes. And so what's interesting is I originally had, I have a couple of question marks about what she does the same way I had question marks about what the fuck Strauss does. So Emily is seen at, in front of a conference table being like the Southeast field offices have been getting a lot of requests recently. And that's all the information we get. And then we know that she's still like, she's like the go-between for the BAU and the upper management for funding. And the deputy like director guy who whose name is Bailey. And yeah. that keeps fucking me up because my real life name is Bailey. So I keep looking mm-hmm. around like a fucking startled dog whenever somebody says, fuck Bailey. I'm like, oh God. But what? now you get to hear all the characters saying your name. <laughs> I'm not that kind of, I don't need that kind of reader insert in my life. I'm good, actually. Like, I'm good. Thank you. Okay, okay, sure. Yeah, and so Penelope left the BAU 
at the end of it, which is why she's like off. Okay, let's talk about Penelope. Penelope is like thriving. She says in episode two, she's like, some people, most people like had a really hard time during quarantine and some people thrived. I thrived staying at home. I was doing great. I'm living my best life. She bakes, she meditates, she virtually works out. She started, okay. Let's talk we about to, Soar. We cannot talk about Soar until we talk about episode one. Just okay. know that Penelope is running the biggest scam of the century? Question I mark? have so many questions. I have so many questions, but we, but we can't, can't answer them until we talk about what Soar is in the context of... Okay. She started... She's in her Mark Zuckerberg era, I think. Truly. <laughs> she started a social media company. A secure social media company for under 22-year-olds. Mm-hmm. she's single it seems and she's in therapy she has a very cute apartment that would drive me crazy to live in everything is kitschy everything is colorful it murders my heart it would be a visual processing nightmare truly <laughs> for anybody okay. but Penelope Garcia but Penelope. okay so Emily's been promoted okay JJ okay JJ we meet JJ in episode one she's coming home from work she throws some sort of helmet onto the couch. So either JJ rides her bike to work every day, or JJ has a motorcycle now. <laughs> <laughs> I love Schrodinger's bike. <laughs> oh, wait, so it's the fucking bikes. Hotra's like, you look like you need this. Here's a bicycle. <laughs> yeah. We... She, okay, we have to talk about how buff JJ is now. Because I started sweating. <laughs> Every, okay, God bless Jennifer Giroux for exclusively wearing sports bras in the house. She, exactly. And honestly, she's so valid for that. As she should. She wears workout pants, sports bra, and then like crop sweaters exclusively. Thank you, AJ Cook, for, like, threatening Ugh. the wardrobe department to just put you in comfy shit. Girl, thank yeah. you for your service. Thank you for your fucking service to the American people, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Not to mention the messy bun, but the two long strands of hair, so we okay, really emphasize but... her elf ears. I'm dying, uh-huh. I'm dying. And then there's the scene where they're getting the girl out of the trailer, and you can see her fuck Her biceps, when she flexes them are like as big around as my head. God yeah. bless a buff ass <laughs> bitch. Okay. Jennifer Jerome, my heart. She shows up in the last scene of episode two in a leather blazer. My queen. Like, okay, get it. <laughs> okay, cool. She's still with Will, but they never have time. But also like, he seems very used to it. She comes home. And Rossi calls her, and he immediately just gets up, goes to the kitchen, makes her a cup of tea, and brings it back, and it's like, have fun. Can I also say, mm-hmm. I like his new haircut. Yeah, I he's like a- his new haircut. He's kind of in his Dilf era, finally, you know? Truly. He's a little like, thicker. He's like dad bodding. Yeah! Mm-hmm. He's a little fine, actually, I think, yeah. and I'm not afraid to say it. He's kind of like the little, sort of like, some of the gray that's in his hair. Like, it's kind of working for him, actually. Kill it, King. <laughs> he is a detective. We are in equal opportunity thirst force over here. Surely, Don't surely. you worry. 
and he so he's working as a detective for the DC police, the Capitol police. So that's what he's up to. Good for him. Mm-hmm. Luke, question mark, question mark. He's still in the BAU, but he stays at Quantico while everyone else goes out. So we'll talk about this a little more when we get to season episode one. But JJ and Tara do consulting. They travel around looking at cases and things. That's what they're up to. Rossi, apparently for the past couple of months, or past little bit, has been... Past year? Rossi is in his depression era. He is. He's a mean old man. Yeah, but it sounds like he's just kind of like dicking around, but now he's like obsessed with this case. And so he just stays in his hotel and works on it. And Luke guards Quantico. I think Luke drew the short straw of having to handle all of their paperwork at Quantico. I think so That's too. sort of the vibe that I got is I got like annoyed little brother who had to stay home or had to run and like take the chicken out of the freezer before mom gets home. Like that's the vibe I got from him. One thing I think is really interesting is there's no clear unit chief. Yes. And I, I think we're meant to assume that Rossi is the unit chief, which is why Bailey's like, why hasn't he been coming to these meetings? when receiving the office and i think luke is acting unit chief yeah sort of like how it was between hotch and derek for a while where like yes. hotch was technically the unit chief but derek was the one who was acting as unit chief giving orders and like getting paperwork done so that they yes. still kept their jobs exactly and also emily Prentice's office has been turned into like a home gym and there's even yeah. a little there's a little note card that says Fitness center, 8 a.m. to 9 p.m., Monday through Fridays, 7 a.m. to noon on the weekends. Which tells me those are like Luke's office hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's when Luke's at Quantico. Then he can go work out however he, he wants. I just imagine him and JJ like g- shopping on like a monitor, picking the best like treadmill to get and like the punching bag. Like they're like, what do we want? That's in why our they don't. That's gym? why the BAU doesn't have any fucking money at this season. It's they spend it all in that fucking home gym. Yeah, we'll talk about that too because that's a little like annoying. Okay, Tara is still in the BAU, and Tara Lewis is our bi queen. She is. Tara Lewis is officially the first gay FBI agent. I'm so happy for her. Congratulations. Congratulations. (laughs) She's got a cute little butch girlfriend. I love it. I know. I love it. I'm very happy for her. Everybody deserves a cute little butch girlfriend. Truly. For those who don't know, though, for people who just fell off of the show at some point, by the way, you Mm. might not know who we're talking about when we say Tara or Luke or Matt. Um, Right. Tara came into the BAU in season 11, right after Kate. Uh, She has been on, I think she's been on consistently since then. I don't think she's ever left. No. And then Luke came on uh, the BAU in season 12. Yes, with Matt. Uh, Matt was season 13, I think. Okay. Right, it was Luke. No, it was definitely Luke and Steven. And Steven yes. did die like four episodes in. Sorry, spoiler. Don't get attached when Stop. he shows up. No, that was at the end of season 12 is is um he passed away. And then that's when I stopped watching the show. And for some reason, I never picked it up. Even though it was an incredible cliffhanger finale. I was like, eh. <laughs> eh. Anyway. Yeah. 
anyway, I just feel like we should know that, like, they yeah. didn't just get back the people who have been there for fucking 15 years, the people who sold their soul to Criminal Minds. We're also <laughs> getting back some of the new kids. And I do really like this team, actually. I do, too. I like the ratio of women to men. Correct. Or women to men. I like that there are still two people of color. There were three for the last few seasons with Matt, yeah. Luke, and Tara. But there's two still. They didn't get rid of, you know. Everybody. Everybody. I think this is a really underrated team dynamic, honestly. I think, like, season 14 team is really underrated. Yeah. That's the one that has Matt and everybody on it. Yeah, I feel like they're all, like, they're besties. But they have that, like, co-worker... I'm respecting your personal privacy. Yeah. You know, I, and I approve of that. I approve of that. I will say, here's the controversial opinion. I'm glad Reed isn't in this. I'm so glad Reed isn't in this. I am incredibly I, glad he's not here. Not just because we're entering our Reed-hating era. Right. You know we've been in that for a while and we will continue to be in it, unfortunately. I like that he's not here because it gives everybody else a chance to be the main character. Yeah, I really worry that with how centered he was at the end of the show, that this would have just been like, Reed is back and the others. Yeah. Are and I think that they would have had to spend a lot of time working on him. I also, with the rise of talking about like mental illness and all that kind of stuff, I don't know how they would have handled him. You know, like, would they have just been mm -hmm. like, haha, he's always been autistic, which would radically have ripples backwards, right? Yes. Or they would be like, no, he's not, which again, ripples backwards. Mm -hmm. So I kind of like that he is left as he was, and we're just not touching that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I do also, I, I'm with you there, actually. I do really enjoy the fact that Reed isn't here. Granted, my... All time, one of my like favorite team dynamics is still like that season four team, right? That season, what is yeah. it, like three, late season three through like six or whatever. That's still like yeah. my prime favorite team dynamic. This is yes. a really good one, though. This is really good. I it feel okay. It feels like they are all adults. Yes, correct. Yeah, that's it. Like instead of like we just made a joke. And again, you'll, I guess you'll hear this next week about like, oh, it's just the kids, right? Yeah. JJ, Derek and Reed, it's just the kids. You know, this feels like, okay, we're all grown up and we're still here. But some shows don't do that well. Like the last season of Community felt super mm -hmm. weird when it hit streaming. And I like it, but it's not the same show. This yeah. feels like the same show, but now we're all grown up. This also feels like with the like different skill sets that all of the agents have, this feels like a most realistic BAU. Like mm -hmm. Tara's the one who does a lot of consulting and like research and publishes papers. And yes. Emily's off doing administrative tasks sometimes. So really the only people you have working here full time are like Luke kind of, JJ and Rossi. Rossi you know like it, that makes sense to me of like yeah these people are also focused on like education and they give seminars and they publish papers and like that like it it feels like the most realistic BAU we've gotten 
Right, more almost more academic yeah. than action. And I like I really that. Like. I know we yeah. still have like our action bros of like JJ and Luke because they are right. like everybody's favorite action figures. God bless their souls. <laughs> but like, you know, I I do like this BAU quite a lot. I do too. I do too. So Luke, Tara, Penelope, Rossi. Let's talk about the Rossi of it all. Rossi. So Rossi, you don't know this, but at the end of season 15, he gets married to a woman named Crystal. We know. Yeah, he gets you know remarried. This. He gets remarried yeah. to his wife to, yeah. in season 14, actually. 14. His second wife, I believe. Or One of them. <laughs> yeah, his first wife is dead. That's a arc we'll get to. He has a brief fling with his second wife because someone shows back up in his life. And then, yeah, so I guess Crystal's is the rat. He gets whatever. They marry, and it's very cute. Yes. But she died a year ago, so in 2021. And we don't know what it was. Penelope says her diagnosis, which to me always is cancer, but it could be something else. It could be COVID. It could be COVID. They came back in. They came back to our main timeline at a real bad time. A <laughs> <laughs> real bad time, yeah. But she has died, and so for the past year, Rossi has been really mean and living in a hotel in DC and not at his mansion, not at the Rossi mansion. And that's like a thing that keeps coming up. He also very pointedly is not in therapy. <laughs> that comes up. And he also is very pointedly not as well dressed as he usually is. No, Penelope does make the joke of like, <laughs> Penelope makes a joke about, I see you're doing casual Friday on a Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Very and then it's like a deal when he puts on a suit jacket again. You're like, oh, okay, yeah. grandpa's back. <laughs> yeah, there's my grandpa. Okay. Also, if you're following along with the main chronology of our podcast, we have just started season three last week um, or a few weeks ago. We haven't technically met Rossi yet. Right. I feel like we should call that out as well. Because we're oh, going to yeah. see the beginning and end of Rossi's arc like right oh next gosh. to each other, which That's I think so is going to be kind of fun. It is. No, it is fun. Okay. What other thing? He has miscellaneous. There's no jet. They got rid of the jet because of comebacks. They're poor now. <laughs> okay. Here's why I was saying I don't like that. We did this. <laughs> right? Was, was the season 13, season 12, 13, 14, wasn't all the Linda Barnes shit? This, oh no, they're reassigning us. Uh-oh, we've all what split oh? up. What are we going to do? And now it's like, again, but a man this time, which like finally a male villain. <laughs> but still. I do think it's funny that they're treating, like, number one, like the U.S. government does not give the FBI absolutely bonkers amounts of money every year. But also, I love that they're acting like if they're a fucking like Midwestern theater department having to put on the best talent show this side of the Mississippi. Otherwise, we're gonna get canceled. Like it's just <gasps> funny. What? Papa has to sell the barn. Come on, guys, let's put on a show and raise money. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like what? The fact it's that so it literally. Funny. It literally ends like that. Season two literally ends with like, no, they want to make us part of domestic terrorism, which again, what's so wrong with that? But whatever. I don't know if that means they want us to be domestic terrorism. Fine. We'll show that this is as important as domestic terrorism by proving the network. 
exists and also catching them. They can't shut us down if we're good at our jobs, even though we've always been good at our jobs. But now it's federal, but it's always been federal. But now there's a lot of them. I mean, there's always been a lot of them. But like now it's different, though. Like what? It's just so funny that they're having to like put on a put on a show to save the farm. It's like the fact that it's Emily. The fact that Emily is like, wait, I watched classic Hollywood. We're going to put on a show and raise money so Papa can buy the farm. Like, what? (laughs) It's so funny. But you were also complaining, like, right before we came on came on to do this is you were like i can't believe we didn't get a wheels up right i forgot they don't have a jet there's no jet plane yeah well (laughs) we're still in our wheels up drought skipping 16 years ahead did not fix it (laughs) it's just i okay so we've learned that for the past few years the team has been splitting up to solve more cases at once which is smart they don't okay that was the one thing about the later seasons. It's like 10 of them would stand in a row and say two sentences each about the profile. It's like, why are there so fucking many of you? <laughs> yeah, literally. So I, I do like that it's a smaller team. I think that's good that they're consulting, that they're splitting up. It makes sense. They only come mm-hmm. together when they need each other's help. So smart to me. Yeah. But I don't know. I think it would be interesting. The thing is, if they get picked up for a season 17, for our Criminal Minds Evolution Season 2. What does that look like? Yeah. And I you think know? we will we'll figure out, I think, more as the season goes on. Because, again, only the first two episodes are out on streaming right now as we are recording I this. I you hate know, not the, knowing everything. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but we'll talk about it a little more when we start talking yeah. about this whole like social network of serial killers. But yeah, we'll talk about it because if because we'll we'll talk yeah. about it because I have a thing I want to say, but I want to wait till the right time to say it. So okay. So we also learn that we learn the outcome of Penelope and Luke. So at the end of season fifteen, I think it's the last episode of season fifteen, or maybe not. Luke asks Penelope out on a date. Their whole thing is that they like bicker all the time and like make yeah, fun and of they're each very other. Cute. And, and I those- I love them a lot actually. I shipped them from minute one. I know exactly. some people didn't, but I shipped exactly. them instantly. Exactly. My I'm only, with you. my only two real Penelope ships are Morcia, which is Penelope and Derek, and yeah. Garvez, which is Penelope and Luke. Those are my only two real Penelope ships. Yeah. Luke asked Penelope out. He was like, "Hey, you said you wouldn't date me because we work together, but you don't work here anymore." <laughs> That's a date. They had one dinner three years ago, and Garcia's like, and now we're frenemies. And Luca's like, what? I'm just your friend. Why do we have to be enemies? Which I did really enjoy. Okay. And then, oh, one another note I have is Rossi's really mean. We talked about that. Rossi's in his mean grandpa era. But JJ continuously apologizes for him. Like, she apologizes to Luke that Rossi was so mean. And she's also, that was really interesting to me. I like, didn't like that. But I do appreciate that JJ is like, yeah, it's been a whole fucking year. He can't keep treating us like his punching bags. And I was like, thank you, JJ, for being empathetic and also setting your fucking <laughs> limits. Yeah. I do like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, although to contrast that, Garcia gets on the call and she, Rossi is mean to her and she's like, 
okay, I don't let anyone talk to me like that anymore. Bye. And ends the call and then starts panicking that Rossi isn't doing okay. What's wrong with Rossi? He's so sad. And I'm like, Garcia, he just was so mean to you that you hung up on him. But also, like, I get that. I can have my boundary and be like, I don't need to deal with that until you fix yourself. But then I can turn around and be like, hey, are they going to therapy? <laughs> like, is he good? Right. Like, I, like- I can be pissed and I can set my boundary and have that and keep that while also being like, hey, are you okay? Because that's yeah. some shit you just did. Are you good? Yeah. Don't do that again. Why'd you do that? Are you yeah. okay? Also, I did appreciate this because we talk about this a lot. Garcia's like, oh no, Rossi broke the hive mind. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, they said it. They acknowledged it. It's also, isn't that kind of a callback to when Rossi was first introduced when he was all that, he when he said all that shit about like groupthink or whatever? Okay, let's, yes, let's talk about this. Yeah. So Emily also mentions this kind of hive mind. You're right about groupthink. So when Rossi first arrived in season three, and I, we won't go into too much detail because we're only a few episodes from it. We're literally going to talk about it in like a month. Yeah. Yeah. But he shows up and he's like, I'm used to working alone. He won't be part of the briefing on the plane. He takes his own notes. He does things without consulting Hodge. And he's like, I'm used to working alone. I'm used to being independent. We didn't do group things. We didn't work together. We worked by ourselves. And he kind of like learns to be part of a team. And that's part of his arc in the first few seasons. But then Emily is, when, when Rossi is being all, you know, hard on himself and not talking to anyone yeah and thank you emily is like gideon once told me not to go quiet he said that like at the beginning you guys struggled with either being silent or being angry and that you had to learn that working with a team is better which like one emily did you and gideon talk more than twice and two gideon didn't like you very much and three we know when Ross, Rossi says when he joined that they weren't a team back then. So why would Gideon say any of that? And then Rossi's like, that's the advice I gave Gideon. And it's like, no, it's not. No, it's not, sir. No, sir, it's you not. were a dick. I was like, okay, here's our first big retcon. <laughs> our first we big have, retcon of the show. We have reached into the wormhole and we've just shuffled some shit around and we called it good. Yeah. So... That was just something that I was like, I wish instead Emily was like, you know, in your grief, you're going back to how you were when you first got here and feeling isolated. We've all been isolated, you know, but now we're back together. Let's be together again. You know, like I would have liked that rather than some bullshit about Gideon. Why does Gideon still get to be in the show? Why does he get a call back? Right? It's been what's 16 up? years, guys. Yeah, Let what's go. up there? Okay. Yes, I have all of that to say. Before we go into the plot, because it's very connected to COVID, let's mm-hmm. talk about how COVID is in the show. Which is to say that it is the ghost that does not exist. Yeah, so they're talking about COVID. They're talking about quarantine. We've learned about work from home, et cetera, et cetera. At the same time, Tara and JJ have still been traveling around the country for three years. No one wears a mask ever. No, Nobody involved with the BAU has gotten COVID, except maybe Crystal, but we don't know. So it was just like, 
they were like, yeah, COVID exists outside the walls of Corner, like outside of us. We're not gonna get. We're outside main characters. Of our little walled garden. Right. We're main characters. We're not gonna get COVID. But like, how cool would it have been if one of them had gotten COVID and you know gotten over it? But like, you know, some. They talk about COVID like a lot here by the way this is not just like a plot point that they mentioned they're like yeah but we're all better now and they sort of start diverging from our timeline again because hey gang we're not better now um they talk about it like the serial killers had to go underground because there was nobody out to stalk so they had to like figure out how to work around covid and like okay sure like sure why are none of them wearing masks in public though that's still perfectly acceptable for you to wear a mask when you go grocery shopping or whatever like why does this dude walk into a fucking hardware store with only a baseball cap but no mask sir you can just wear a mask it's fine he put the baseball cap on like it was a disguise and i was like just wear a mask literally do both you're undetectable by cameras do both and no one's gonna give a shit my other thing was as much as I love the idea that JJ has been out and about profiling, it would have made so much more sense for her to be the one that stayed in the office because she has two fucking kids yeah. who had to go to school at home for the past three years. She doesn't want to bring COVID back to her kids. It would have made so much more sense. And then we could have seen either JJ and Will having a good relationship or it's still having a strain, and that strain is suddenly they're spending all this time together. Yeah. And their relationship was based on not that, which would also have been very reflective of COVID. Suddenly yeah. you have to spend all your fucking time with your spouse. You know, I just, I really would have preferred that. Also, we don't know how long JJ was gone for, which is interesting that they would move back to DC in the middle of a pandemic. But yeah, whatever. that's weird. It's yeah. just like they really tried to be like COVID, COVID, COVID. And then they're like, but actually none of us are going to wear masks. It's like, right. come on. They were like, get, we have. Yeah. But I get not wearing a mask when you're in your office with like just your coworkers. I go into work every day and I take off my mask when I get to my actual office. But I still wear it when I walk through the lobby of the fucking building or when we go out to lunch. Like that's a totally normal thing to do. Yeah. Why is nobody wearing a mask ever? Also, government buildings, my wife works for the government, and every time she walks into her office, they do the temperature thing on her. If she was in the office full time, she'd have to do a COVID scan once a week. Yeah. Like, why are these things not, why are there not hand sanitizer dispensers everywhere or signs they're not all of that mask propaganda around (laughs) like literally that was what was really throwing like i i at the beginning of the pandemic during the bulk of it in the first couple of years when i watched tv shows from before i would get anxious that no one was wearing a mask like i would watch a movie and be like that's a big crowd yeah. Where's your mask? So to watch something made in COVID times directly referencing COVID, and we know they wore masks while filming because yeah. we have pictures of them with those plastic, you know, shields. The face shield, yeah. Yeah. So 
they just decided to pretend and I get it. Like you're doing a show, microphones, voices, etc. But one ADR exists. And two, yeah. don't wear it in the office, but like I'd love to see you just have it, even if it's like hanging from one ear. Or when you get back off the elevator that you're tucking your mask away. Like some indication. Yeah, it was just it's just jarring. Like yeah. It's just weird. Because, like, okay, if a TV show goes the route where they don't acknowledge it or they're like, hey, that happened, but it's over now, then you're fine. Right. But they're going as, like, we're still kind of in it. Like, they're still, like, talking about it. It's still, like, a big deal to them. Like, it's just weird. The other thing I want to just put up here because it really rigged me out was how futuristic Garcia's, like, computer screen is. Her like, computer screen has always been pretty unrealistic, but they really were like, fuck it, Star Trek presets. Like It actually, because she makes a Star Trek joke right before she turns her laptop on. So when it opened, I was like, it actually looks like the buttons on Star Trek. And the thing is, is that, yes, for any fucking techno nerds out there, she's probably just running a fucking custom Linux build with, like, custom UI. Because she's fucking Garcia, and she can do that. And she's a fucking wizard. But also, like, the fact that her computer looks so realistic, and then the FBI computers also have that same... They use the same fucking After Effects presets for all of it, gang. Yes. Like, they use the same effect pack. It's just so weird. I'm like, okay, why did why were the boxes with white text no longer good enough for you? That was good that's enough the, for 15 years. Why is that not good thing. enough for you anymore? It always looked like it was 1999 on her computer. And then suddenly it's fucking 2035. Yeah, and that yeah. was what I was like, I took a moment and I was like, is my computer just that? Old? like is this what chrome looks like now and i just don't know like no, it's also funny because like for example mr robot a show that ended in i think 2019 but was also a very high-tech show never looked like this person of interest no. never really looked like that no. like they still tried to keep it realistic though this is like penelope is a wizard she types things into this box and the answer appears it also so she when she goes to her computer and she opens it back up in the office in the in Quantico, the screen, it has those tabs at the top, which like, whatever, I guess. But there's just like three bars of like, they look like sound waves, but vertical. And I was like, what does this represent? What is this representing right now? Like, what does this do? What like, is this? What's like, the purpose uh, of this? I'll give you, like, instead of, you know, a bottom bar with the icons, their tabs at the top. Okay. And, like, instead of programs being shortcut pictures, she's got them as, like, you know, buttons to click up the side. Like, I'll give it. But then the voice, vertical voice thing was, like, what? And also the bottom of her computer had, like, the video buttons, like, pause, play, fast forward, already there. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe she invented that when she invented Soar. <laughs> Maybe she invented that when she went into her Mark Zuckerberg era. <laughs> okay, so let's, okay. Let's talk about the first case. So, okay. We have like seven cases going on at once. Let's talk yeah. about Tara's case, the Yakima yes. Washington case. So I've named these, we have Tara's case, which is the box, the cold case. We have local case, which is the first killer, RJ. And then we have, we have, let's say, this, 
<laughs> the cuckolding case. God, I can't I believe this is like a thing. I know. And then we have the overarching, then we have the plot, or let's say the network. We'll call it the yeah. network. Okay, we gotta have a way to keep these straight because it's so We have to, ones. it's so hard. And y'all, I have done my best to organize this in a manner that is good, but there's a lot happening, okay? And we are, by the way, just like as a point of order housekeeping, we probably should have done this ahead of time. We are talking about episode one and two together, so we're yes. gonna try and go in order, but sometimes we might reference things from ep two to like make things make sense. Yeah. So... Just know we're trying our best. Keep up, bitches. Let's go. <laughs> Rock and Keep roll. Keep up, motherfuckers. <laughs> Tar's case. Yakima County, Washington. We see in 2005, somebody took one of those, like, it's like a shipping container. Yeah. They, like, built it into the side of a hill. Mm -hmm. And they have been torturing people. They were torturing yes. people in it. From 2005 to 2020 is what we learned. He has, and we need to talk about these kill kits. These they're, fucking Haberling little boxes. They're real sturdy boxes with like duct tape. Rope. Rope. A phone. And Night vision glasses. The encryption on these phones blows my mind. I don't get it. Don't explain Here's it to the thing. me. Just act like it's magic. Just act like okay. the rules of technology are the rules of magic and you'll get it. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, they have like special passwords and like encryption sheets, like log in to even answer a fucking phone call. It's a whole thing. Good for this guy. Mm -hmm. But when they open the box, there are 16 bodies in it. Later, it increases. I think by the end of episode two, there are 24 bodies they have found in this because of the bones or yeah they've like separate they've identified 24 different body parts uh, parts yeah. of people's different bodies yeah so there's a lot of people in this box tara wants to bring the rest of the bau onto the case but the deputy director bailey is like no absolutely not we don't have the money the rest of the team is doing good things tara is on her own he actually wants to bring tara from washington back to dc to help with this serial killer that Rossi has been working on. And Emily is like, I understand that the Washington case is a cold case. And that in the DC one, we are actively trying to find a, a little girl. But there's 16 bodies in that box. Yeah. So someone needs to be looking at that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, so Tara has this box. They can't do anything about it. The BAU's not allowed to help. It's just Tara. And Tara's being called back. But she is in the diner with the local sheriff guy. And they're watching the news on TV once the... Well, let's... We'll say okay. what happens in this diner scene after we talk about the other case. Okay. The local case. Okay. How about that? Shall we? Okay. It's so really Tara, hard to organize this and like keep it organized, even for us. So like, yeah. sorry, gang. Next time <laughs> we'll just talk about one episode. We promise it'll be a lot easier. Yeah, and hopefully, or if we uh, manage to make this work, we can keep talking about two episodes at a time. Because we will be doing this every two weeks. Exactly. Yeah. So true. we might want to. We'll we'll structure it better next time, gang. We'll try our best. Yeah. <laughs> It's a lot, okay? It's and a lot. then, you know, in fucking 10 years when we get to season 16 naturally, 
We'll talk about each episode and we'll give it the time and airtime it deserves. We like really should though. Oh, you no, know, we will. I okay, I will make us. <laughs> <laughs> we'll delete these episodes. No, we won't delete these. We'll just re-talk about them and it'll be fun okay. to like compare and contrast. Anyway, this local case, a family annihilator. Yikes. Yikes, except not just any family annihilator. He's not doing anything right. He's sloppy. There's a killing of the Westbrook family in Alexandria. The killer is sloppy and angry, and it looks like Rossi's, like, obsessed with this case. He can, like, quote the fucking, like, body cam security footage from the first responders. He knows everything inside and out about this case. Yes, but there are truly no leads. Yes, truly, like, nothing to go off of here. Mm -hmm. Until it happens to another family. It happens to the Delaney's. Delaney's. Yeah, they are killed in Bethesda, which is a bougie area, by the way. And it is so weird that this is all happening in my backyard. Like, it's never been so close so much, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. So this time when he kills the Delaney's, the guy's wearing night vision goggles. He's got a signal jammer. He's got a lockpick. And he goes in, he kills the parents first, he spares the baby, and then he takes the girl. He takes the teenage daughter. Yeah, who's like 15 or 16. Yeah. And then we also learn that he takes the family's station wagon, sells it, and buys a new car in a Walmart parking lot. That's a big thing. It's a big deal. He makes, here's the thing that's a really big deal, is that he makes her sell the car. Yeah. She She is the one who, she is the one who makes the deal. Which is really strange. Mm -hmm. So that's the basics of that episode. Here's the profiling. Okay. When the unsub took the teenage daughter but let the baby live, it showed that he was evolving. It's a it's a bigger skill set, a more impressive skill set to take a teenager rather than just kill her. That's weird. Yeah. And to suddenly have all this equipment, that's weird. Rossi thinks that he's the guy's in his 40s because he's sophisticated, he's skilled, he knows what he's doing. But we learn that the guy met these girls on a social media site called SOAR. S-O-A-R. The Safe Online Acquaintance Registry? So, this has been Penelope's quarantine project. Imagine if you could just, like, make a social media site for funsies. Not even just make a social network. Make a successful one, just, like, for fun. Basically, the whole reason why it's really impressive that he's on SOAR of all places is because Penelope's the one who... They word it at first, they're like, Penelope's the one who secured it. So you're like, oh, she's like a cybersecurity freelancer. Cool, good for her. And then like two seconds later, she's like, I am the only person above the age of 22 on this website. I made this. I made this so that teens could have a safe place online. Which, girly. Right, that was weird. So, okay. Fucking insane to me that she says she's the only person over 22 on it. Do you have content moderators? Do you have backend staff? Do you have a UX designer? Do How you do you have know that? How, How do you do, you do know identity that? verification for this many people? Do you make kids it's... upload their fucking licenses? Like They don't what? have licenses. They're children. 
their birth certificates then? What is I'm, going on? Okay, 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 okay. Here's the this, thing. <laughs> this makes me okay. so unreasonably angry. Unreasonably angry, okay? And not only that, so they when they talk about it, they're like, the girl doesn't have a Facebook. She doesn't have an Instagram. She doesn't have any public social media, but she has a SOAR account. SOAR, the way Penelope set it up, you have to be, she says, nobody born after the year 2000. So at least... 22, 20, under 22. Yeah. To be on this website. And it's a forum type website. It's a forum. The yeah. girl's visiting message boards. Which very much is like a... I did appreciate that. It feels that. very Penelope to make yeah. a forum-based website. It makes me laugh. Yeah, I love it. Early 2000s, we stand. I love it. But here's the thing. One, that's not social media. That's a message board. And I understand that social media means different things now, but you can't compare like the BitTorrent message boards to Facebook. Like you can't compare. They are not the same product. They're not the same thing. Yeah. Not like, like live journal is not the same as Instagram. Like what it sounds like is Penelope made like a very secure live journal type like she made like a custom web page forum and then made it so only people under the age of 22 can use it but like how do you like do their parents have to sign them up and then how do you know their parents aren't using it and then how do you know people aren't just like lying if they only have to put in their birth year and like Does she have software? What if it's a family computer? I just have so many questions to this. I have so many questions. And like, my biggest one is what the fuck are you doing for content moderation? We see her have like a Zoom with four people and one of them is a literal child. And can I just say something controversial, perhaps? I would fucking Please. hate working for Penelope Garcia. Okay, the fact... Okay. This this is at the beginning of episode two, is she has this Zoom with her employees, some of whom, three of whom look older than 22. Yes, and one is a child. And one is either just out of high school or... 13. Or, or like literally 13 years old. Okay. And she logs on. She's like, thanks for coming to the meeting. But first, it's our daily dance party. And then she plays music on her end. She's like, everyone unmute. What? And then she plays music and they all have to do a waist up dance for the Zoom meeting they're in for too long, I'd argue. And for what reason? What building reason does this have james and then closer to me as a partnership when we're both dancing does that help anything here like what are we doing what is good what what the fuck i I feel like it's one of those like penelope listened to a podcast by Brene brown and learned that you know by doing something silly at the start of a meeting you make everyone more comfortable being open and honest like whatever sure i hate it And then she ends the call with, email me if you have any questions, except between noon and one. That's my picnic time. Okay, here's the thing. 
You can just have like, a lunch break like a normal person. Okay, I, okay, okay. This goes for me for Penelope for the whole show. Penelope is like the Tumblr girl personified. The yeah. nerdy references, the costume. She definitely says things like normal is just a setting on a washing machine. And mm-hmm. like, I love her creativity. And I, I do not want to clown on those types of people because I think it takes a lot of courage and confidence to be like that in public. Yeah. But at the same time, I cannot be friends with those people. It is exhausting. It's she's kind of a lot. And these episodes, I think she's especially kind of a lot, especially like these first two, because Rossi isn't there to like balance her out with his old man charm. Well, she's like, like in her element. So exactly. she's extra big. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like I can't mad respect to you, all respect in the world. Mad respect. Uh could not be me. It could not be me. <laughs> could not be me. I cannot yeah. I cannot go back to the days of the fucking hipster versus fandom blog war i can't do that i can't go back you can't make me you can't make (laughs) me go back the thing is is i love penelope and i I, love penelope so dearly i think one of my favorite things about penelope is that she has the capacity to be light and airy and nothing matters at all and like who cares and everything's fun and silly or she can be serious and real and for me that like the ability to be grounded, the ability to like shut that off and have just like an honest conversation is so important to me, you know? Yeah. But it feels like when she is, when she's working at the BAU, it feels like her confidence and her silliness and her colorfulness is a way to cope with the trauma and the darkness that she sees all day. Which is so valid. Which is so valid. But when she's not at the BAU, and she is still so over the top. I'm just like, why? What? This has to be a exhausting. bit, right? This has to be a joke. It has to be a bit. This has to be a bit. And then, it, and then we learn it's not. That's the thing. Like she's always been quirky. She's always been fun and like silly, and she likes nerdy things, and she's unapologetically herself. But she's also like a grown up. And then yeah. we walk into her apartment, and it's like a 13 year old sort of fan fiction about what they think Penelope's apartment looks like her her apartment isn't the problem for me it's that fucking dance party it's that fucking zoom dance party she had me going up until that moment i was like what the fuck are you doing what the fuck are you doing and then for me when she goes at the end of season episode two the middle of episode two she goes in and she's like here's my speaker turn it on and then she starts like blasting music that's really funny though i love it actually here's the thing sometimes it gets it gets me sometimes she makes me cringe a little bit that's okay she can be my cringe fail wife but that bit (laughs) that bit was fucking funny with the way it diegetically (sighs) stops when she like pauses it on her phone and then starts again yeah i i appreciated that but like when she's like I need to do my my hacking now. Play this music. And then she like makes herself her own little music video. And then she's like, and stop. I'm done working. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> That's a little, it's a little cringe. Listen, Garcia's cringe, but she is free. <laughs> but she is free. <laughs> and I can't fault that. Okay. I can't fault just, her for that. I think the main thing I'm like, where do you get all this energy? For me... <laughs> I love being silly and goofy and stuff, but it is for like a period of time. 
And then we I go back very... to my like sweatpants <laughs> Here's in the bed. Is, is we are silly, goofy, funny on this podcast. Mm. That is like three hours of our day. <laughs> yeah. She is like this all the time all for the time. free. What? For free. For free. I cannot imagine having that much energy. Do you know what I would do if I had that much energy? Fuck. You know what I would do? I would code an entire social media website. And that's what she did. That's what she fucking did. Okay. We got to move on. <laughs> so that's what Sora is. I hate it. It's impractical. It's impossible. It's a chat room, but no it's, one's calling it a chat room. It, it's a forum. Yeah. Yeah. Also, what I love is Garcia spends all this time talking about chat rooms and this and that and how they're not safe in kids these days. And then she like makes a chat room. Also, can I just say there's an anonymous voice that messages Garcia out of the blue and is like, here's some encrypted data. Save it. I know how Soar was compromised. But here's the thing. Soar wasn't compromised. The dude was 19. Yeah. And he just made a Soar account. There's no comprom. It was not compromised. It was used as intended by someone with malicious intent. And it's like, maybe you should hire some fucking content moderators, Penelope. I hear there's a lot of people from Twitter who are looking for a job, and I think they'd probably be <laughs> all right. You know? That's hilarious. That is <laughs> hilarious. Although I think they filmed this before Elon officially bought Twitter. But yes. That was just the thing. It was like the keeping like, how did this happen? How was it compromised? And like, it wasn't. It, wasn't. it was used <laughs> as intended. And then he did something else off the site. Like, like you can't stop, like not to get super serious here, but like if three depressed teenage boys made a message board about how they hate everyone at their schools, it doesn't matter how protected and wonderful the person is who made the social media site you have still connected these people who can go on to do bad things yeah and that's that's the thing that's annoying the way they're talking about this as if it's been hacked like they didn't hack anything they just used it as intended he was just a depressed 19 year old and Sora wasn't his only website like that's why Sora doesn't work sorry all i need is a younger cousin to make me an account like yeah it's just they needed something for penelope to be upset about early on and something to like start the breadcrumbs of drawing her quote-unquote drawing her back into the bau uh, and they were like here we go sore so the other things they find out about the uh the profile the case of this um, the Delaney family is that um, they finally get security footage back from who they call quote unquote remote Garcias. Okay. I'm sorry to pause you so quickly. The remote Garcias are just like three dudes working from home. Yeah. And Luke refuses to learn their names, and it's been three years. And that, like, Luke, I get it, but that really pisses me off. Like, come on, bro. Come on. Come on. Come on. Anyway, um, they got access to the neighbor's, like, fucking ring doorbell or whatever. <laughs> uh, and they really? see that the person who stalked into the Delaney's house took the family station wagon. And that's, like, incredibly bold. So incredibly bold. Literally. 
So they put an APB out for the family station wagon. They managed to find the car. They pull the car over. The guy who's in the car bought it that morning for $10,000 cash. An hour ago. Like an hour ago. Yeah. And he talked to a girl who is, I think, Chrissy Delaney, who uh, is the one who sold him the car. And she said that, you know, it was fine. She just needed to sell the car. Yeah. And so we learned eventually that she doesn't know her family is dead. Yet. So we, the yeah. Uns, yeah. So the unsub is like, come with me or I'll kill your family, which is why she's cooperating. She just doesn't know the family's already dead. And also, okay. Luke, like, they pull over the car. Luke opens the hatchback and is like, it's clear. When there's clearly a door with all the, like, real stuff underneath it. But we have literally seen unsubs hide bodies down there before. So he just, like, opens it and he's like, I doubt anything's down there. It's clear. I was like, okay. You're not even going to open it. Come on. Like, okay. (laughs) I know she's not there, but, like, come on. So then we learn about the message boards, etc. Rossi's really depressed. Emily has her talk. Okay. JJ is talking to Luke and Penelope and says that this guy is basically a how-to manual on killing. Like, he has his gear. He killed the parents first. He took their car and then immediately sold it. Like, these are all the things that are by the book. He's not by the book, but this is, like, perfect, right? Yeah, she talks about how, like, he looks like he read a how-to manual on how to do all this because he has, like, signal jammers and night vision, like... The first murders, the Westbrooks, was disorganized. They think the girl, he went to the girl first, she screamed, the dad grabbed the baseball bat, came after the answer, had to kill them all. The second time, completely different, organized. He planned it, he got the technology, and then he took the girl. And they talk about how the only like information they got off of Soar about where he lived was that there was corn, trees, and a creek. So they managed to pull up this guy's whole family history in like 30 seconds. They're like, his name is RJ. His parents were meth addicts. A bunch of people died on this land because the police raided it or something. He's 19 now. The state seized 24 acres in fucking 2015. And now we don't know where he lives. Crazy. It was kind of insane to me that they spent so long setting up what happened to these people and they just needed a quick way to solve this case. You're like, fuck it, get Penelope on it. She'll find him in a second. Right, and she does. And they're right. Yeah. So then, how do they get him? They get him. He's on that land. Also, it's 24 acres and they just like pull up up. to his trailer. I was like, okay. I mean, they had a lot to do this episode. I don't blame them for just kind of, like, getting there. I mean, I could see if they were, like, they pulled up, like, satellite images of that land. Maybe they could have seen, a like, a trail or, like, a road or something. If there's something else there, that would make sense. They were just, like, here's the here's the SUVs driving through the forest. Here they are in front of this camper. Like, The thing that okay. always gets me, I always go back and forth on this. It's, like, on the one hand, I don't want to be spoon-fed information. On the other hand, I need something, Give right? Give me something. Like, like sometimes, sometimes they do this in later seasons. Penelope will be like, I've sent you the coordinates. I've sent you the address. Here's this. And then they just show up in the next scene. That's fine. That's exactly what I needed. Did not happen. She wasn't like, there's a few structures on the property. Here, I'll send you the coordinates of all three. Split up, try and yeah, take them. No. No. Just roll up. RJ is talking to Chrissy inside the trailer. He's just being like, do you want to go to California? 
let's do this. Your parents wouldn't let you. And she realizes that this is RJ. And he's like, I wanted us to be friends in real life. And she's like, I said my parents were strict. I didn't say murder them. Uh, so she grabs a hammer. She hits them. They're fighting. And then he does shoot himself in the head. So she comes out of the trailer. And she's all like, I don't know what's going on. My family's dead. He killed himself. I got my gun. And then she like, points it at her own head. And we finally get Rossi like having his first moment. And Rossi is immediately like, listen to my voice. A year ago, my wife died. It fucking sucked. And I'm still sad. But she wouldn't want me to be sad. I'm sad, but she doesn't like it up there in heaven. She probably hates that I'm so upset. Your parents, they wouldn't want you to die either, would they? And she's like, yeah, okay. And then they hug. And then he's like, your little brother's still alive. Maybe you shouldn't have yeah. made him too, you know? like Your grandma's worried about you. JJ and Luke look at the trunk and they see the kill kit in the trunk. And let's go back to Tara's little yeah. diner scene with this like local right. deputy in Yakima, Washington. Because they have this whole discussion about these like, what are they, fucking Haberling boxes? Where they're they are like, some heavy duty fucking boxes. They it keep looks calling like, them footlockers. That's not yeah. a footlocker. I know. It's like, this is a, like a military grade box. Like, it's all right. It's just a box, guys. Anyway, so they're in this fucking diner. They're like talking back and forth. And they're, like, trying to figure out what it is with this box. On the diner TV, they're showing um, footage from the, like, news coverage of that, of the Delaney thing. And they see one of the deputies taking the footlocker out of, like, the trunk of a car. And the fucking diner cop is like, whoa, that's another Haberling. This line to me, this line bothered me so fucking much. I literally wrote this down in my notes app last night when I was watching the episode and then transferred it to our note doc here so that I could talk about how much it fucking pisses me off. The way he says it makes me angry. But what makes me more angry is the way that like, this feels like a line that they like put in square brackets and they're like, we'll make something better up later. And then never did. Like, this line pisses me off so much. Like, why did we not get a quip of, like, oh, what are these things, serial killer standard issue? Like, that's the most criminal minds line of all fucking time. Are you telling me that you're going to, like, ignore that choice? Like, come on. It felt weird to it get, like, weird. name band, name brand dropped. You know? And it was like, okay, I get that he can notice there's another box, but, like, I don't know. It just, it really, it struck me as a line from like a half finished script, you know, when they put like, mm -hmm. whoa, medical jargon here or whatever. Like it just feels, it just felt fucking strange. And I hated that fucking line. What a coincidence. They're in the diner at the same time. This is happening on the news. They also, I did like that. We saw JJ and Luke just like, walking around yeah we saw the end of the last scene mm -hmm. play out on the i did enjoy that i did i did enjoy that like we saw because in the last scene they are looking in the trunk and then on the news is them walking away from the trunk and the police guy taking the box it's, i did appreciate it's, I did like it's that. good i do like it i just think i just don't like the deputy saying that yeah. line i think yeah. he I think we had a chance to make this quippy and the rest of the show is quippy. It just felt weird that this guy was like, whoa, another Haberling? 
Come on. <laughs> They're fucking ar- ar- like army boxes. What do you want here, yeah. dude? What the fuck yeah. do you want? They're a waterproof box. It's not that rare, Bessie. I have one in my apartment. There's a fireproof box over there. Like, what do you want? Yeah. And then Tara calls Rossi and is like, it isn't a coincidence. They also keep sending each other files on their phones too easily, I feel like. I think they must just be skipping out the middle step of like, these are secure lines. Well, just the fact Rossi's like, I'm going to send you these pictures. And then JJ just looks down and there's just like an icon of a document and she touches it and there are the pictures. I was like, where's the Google Drive? How are these being sent? Like, it was Through again the FBI I, secure communication app, probably. <laughs> you know they have some shit like that. You they just have like do. an intranet app. No, they probably do. No, I mean I'm sure they do. It's just like hilarious that they all have like it's like they Angry had to Birds it on the App Store. <laughs> yeah, they have like Angry Birds, <laughs> the FBI app, <laughs> Google Drive. They just have like it's just there in the mix. In all reality, it was probably some fucking secure SharePoint link. Like, that's probably it. Yeah, it was just funny. Okay, and then it ends with the main unsub, who they start... Okay. They start calling him the name of a spider, and I refuse to play this game. His name is Elias, according to IMDb. It's Elias Voigt. Okay, Okay. Elias. We'll call him Elias, which is hilarious for person of interest people. (laughs) It ends with Elias burying one of these boxes. And he, like, is burying it. It's super creepy. It's the middle of the night. And he says some really creepy Roald Dahl quote. Oh, yeah. That was interesting. It's the witching hour when everybody's asleep and the dark things come out to play. (laughs) Good quote. Good ending quote. Gonna say. Gonna give him that. It's pretty good. But, yeah, this this guy uh, is um, Zach Guilford. He was mm-hmm. he's best known, I think, for Friday Night Lights and also Midnight Mass and the Midnight Club. I have never seen Friday Night Lights, but I did watch Midnight Mass and I did think he was good in it. And I didn't know that's who this was until I watched the episode. They showed his face and I was like, hey, hey that I know guy that guy. Midnight Mass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he was on fucking like 60 episodes of Friday Night Lights. Was he the main guy on Friday Night Lights? No. Everyone was really excited that it was him in this i think he's like famous famous and we just don't know who he is because we're too young he's one of the people he's in the top 10 of people in most episodes of friday night lights he plays matt sarkin that's episode one that's our introduction into this world the magical Mm -hmm. world of criminal minds evolution shall we jump into the next case let's let's do it so the third case is the cuckolding case. It is the cuckolding case. Okay. We're all going to be extremely, definitely adults about it. And of, oh yeah, I mean this so genuinely, we are not here to kink shame. Like, I don't give a shit. Do what your heart desires. Oh, as yeah, long as everybody's course. into it, go wild, have fun. It is incredibly funny to imagine the person in the Criminal Minds writer's room who was like, what if we did a cuckolding case? <laughs> Imagine being the motherfucker to pitch that. Be like, Erica, Erica, Erica. Listen, I know we're thinking about our crime show, and I know we're making it gory, and I know we're making it bad, but what if, hear me out on this one, what if this guy is a cuckold? (laughs) Erica, Erica, I know, I know, I know what you're thinking, but 
He's a bull. <laughs> he's not getting cuckolded. <laughs> he is he the man cuckolds doing other the men. cucking. Exactly. Yeah. It's like a it's like a fun group activity, you know, Erica. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> That's funny. Like, imagine being the person to pitch this. It's incredibly funny. Also, the fact, again, this is where they missed a step. JJ is like, he's a bull. And Rossi's like, what is that, like a stud? And, and JJ goes, kind of. In the kink community, <laughs> there's a type of kink called cuckolding, and it's basically where a husband watches his wife getting fucked by another guy. It's totally normal. I do it all the time. And this guy, it's like the way JJ, like, she doesn't look at her paper. There's no even little bit of research done. JJ's like, I know what this is. Wait, guys, I got this. Let me explain. Like, so fast. And then when she's interviewing the wife, she's like, does he get jealous? Is that, like, part of it? Is it that he, like, has to watch you with interesting interesting? Interesting. How would you rate your experience with cuckolding? And I'll, I'll... is it ever women watching or is it usually usually, usually the husband? Watch. Okay. Okay. But it wouldn't be weird if I watched. I mean, if somebody watched their husband. Get, okay. 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 Thanks. Anyway, <clears throat> you said you got a video from the ad <laughs> Like, it's so funny that they just so... made JJ and Luke really knowledgeable. <laughs> really knowledgeable about the kink community. And it's so funny too, because little behind the scenes, little behind the wheel here. Um, I t- texted Jay and I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> B just messaged me and was like, wow, they just made one about cuckolding, huh? I had not gotten to that part of the episode yet. I'm pretty sure I did a polite, ha ha ha. And then I heard JJ say, there's a kink called cuckolding and i went whoa 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 whoa, wait 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 this episode's about that (laughs) i'm so sorry actually i'm so sorry but it is really funny that you were like haha anyway and then you got to the part of the episode that is literally about cuckolding literally about cuckolding like I texted you, <laughs> I texted you. Imagine the person being the person who had to say, "What if we did a cuckolding plotline this season?" And you just keyboard smashed and moved on. And I was like, "Okay, that was a funny joke. It got a good reception. They moved on." And then you were like, "I just got to the actual cuckolding part." Like ten minutes later, and I was like, "Oh God, oh God!" Because <laughs> we were talking about something else. So I thought this was just like a funny joke about that. No. Fully cuckolding, huh? And a senator too. And uh not not a senator, sorry, uh councilman. Councilman. Council. City councilman. We loved it. We love to see it. <laughs> hilarious. It's really absolutely hilarious. Like also also, Luke makes some comment and Rossi goes, Oh, you have a lot of experience with this? And Luke says, Oh no, I respect the sanctity of marriage too much to go after married women. And then JJ just laughs. And I really wanted a comment where Luke's like, that's the only reason I haven't hit on JJ. She's married. <laughs> and for JJ B to be like, it's okay, you can flirt with me. Like, like some like 
He doesn't even look at her. I thought that was a dig at Rossi and his three wives. I thought we were going back to a Rossi wife dig. You're in some fun fanfic, AU. I'm in the real world where Rossi has had three wives that he's married seven times. Imagine, okay, but imagine saying that to a man whose wife just died. (laughs) Also that, like, for real? For real? Like, like... No, I think it was just like a fun, like, no, I don't fuck with married women. And then JJ's like, please, (laughs) please fuck with me. (laughs) It's just really funny. No, it's just really funny. The fact that Luke, Luke also has a line about beta males later this episode. And I'm like, can you all stop? (laughs) Can you all stop? The Criminal Minds writer's room must be stopped. What's funny about this, though, is in an earlier season, they have an episode about BDSM. Gemily goes and they have that awkward like waiting for the woman the to get out yeah. of the sex swing or something yeah yeah and then Gemily like when they get back to the office sit like six feet apart they like will not acknowledge it yeah but Rossi makes a joke about how he was really into BDSM in high school yeah in that episode and for him now to be like what's cuckolding like shut up <laughs> you're losing your mind old man you just can't admit that you know okay the cuckolding case the unsub basically lures two bulls to a Walmart parking lot, shoots them with a paralytic that's to help with back pain after injuries, takes them to a like physician's office. Or what looks, looks like. like a physician's office, but it's really right. just his house, I think. Yeah. And then like Puts them in a massage chair. So maybe a physical therapist's office. He puts them on like a gurney kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But he, when he flips them over, it has the massage chair or a chiropractor. Yeah. With like the face hole. Puts a camera under their face. Then he cuts open their back and says, I'm going to sever your spinal cord. I'm going to make you a par- paraplegic. Quadriplegic. And, thank you. I'm going to make you a quadriplegic. And your option is to live that way or die. And the two men say, die. And that's where they're dead. So, in episode one, when Rossi calls JJ and asks about the case she's working on, she says, yeah, I I went to Silver Spring to look at this body at a rest stop that had a severed spinal cord. And it turns out, it's this guy. He's back. Well, except Silver Spring mm-hmm. doesn't have a rest stop. I literally, actually, in real life, lived in Silver Spring for four years. It's just like a place with like a little mall. It's got a metro stop. Rest stop? Like, what are you talking about? I the consider closest- any gas station to be along a highway a quote unquote rest stop. And there I is know no that's highway not- in it. Really? There's not even, like, a highway bypass or anything? I mean, there's the Beltway, but the Beltway doesn't have gas stations on it. Yeah. There's no... There is... The closest thing is the Maryland Welcome Center, which is, like, 45 minutes. It's not in Silver Spring at all. So I literally... They... Okay. They were, like, Silver Spring, and I was like, I lived there! (laughs) And then... Actually moved in 2019. I lived there, and then... She was like, yeah, there was a body at a rest stop. And I was like, sorry, a what? <laughs> no, 
No, actually. Because <laughs> there's not a rest stop there. There's no rest stop there. It's not on a highway. There's, an, there's off an exit because of the beltway. So the way like the major DC area works, there's 295, 495, and 695. Mm-hmm. And they, they make... A like little a spaghetti circle, bowl. Yeah. yeah, a circle around DC. All of them do. 295 goes through DC, and then 495 is the inner beltway, and 695 is the outer beltway. But they're not highways like you would think of highways. It's basically just to like avoid the city. That's it. Yeah. And you know, you like how all you know, highways are, yes. Right, but it's not like 95, you know, that goes across. Yeah, no, it's, it's, a, right. It happens around every, literally every major city. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but there's not like gas stations or rest stops on it. Yeah. It's just to avoid the city. So this, I, I'm focusing on this only because I know Silver Spring really fucking You're well. very angry about something that is mentioned in literally three lines of dialogue over two hours of television. And I and get it. That's not my brand, my what is. And I get it. I had my moment when we had Legacy. I understand. I get it. Sometimes you have to just be like, people don't know shit, and then move on. I hate that their whole shit happens in this area. And they know fuck all about it, okay? 16 years they've been writing about this area. And they know fuck all about it. Pisses me off. It pisses me off. Do you want me to forward your complaint to Erica Messer herself? I'm going to tweet Erica Messer and say, um, Frederick is like an hour from fucking Bethesda. (laughs) What do you, which is like 25 minutes from Silver Spring. What are you talking about? How is this guy's circle of kidnapped victims like an hour and a half? What, like what? Don't worry about it. Like, he's just like, murdering. Literally, he's pissed off about fucking or whatever. I hate it. Okay, 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 okay. We're moving he's on. Killed. These two men, they're good looking. They're in their 30s. They find out they're bulls. They're on Tinder. Okay, so by the way, I, we should explain what a bull is. A bull is the dude who fucks the cuckold's wife, right? Yeah. So there's three people. There's the husband, the wife, and the bull. And the bull fucks the wife, sends videos of it to the husband. Wife gets home and the husband's all like, "My turn to take you back." And then they have Or sex. or not. Sometimes or I think not. it's just like that's kind of the point. I don't again, again not here to kink shame, but I just don't know a lot about cuckolding. When we get yeah, to the autoerotic asphyxiation episode, though, that's my time to shine. <laughs> and all about that. Those are my people right there. <laughs> <laughs> cool. No. Usually, usually the point of cuckolding is to, like, either feel like a beta, so, like, okay, this guy is, like, taking my, my wife right in front of me, or it's to get amped up and be more alpha and then be like, you're mine. Those sure. Kind of your two things. Okay. Anyway, these guys—they're on Tinder. They hook up with women both times. They take the wife to a hotel and then send videos to the husband. That's this particular pattern, which explains why the guy is filming the man as he kills them and then sending the video to Elias, because that's part of his kink thing. Yeah. Then he is like, hey, I'm going to take my next person. I have someone in mind. And Elias is like, no, absolutely not. 
They caught RJ. They're on to us. We have to lay low. But Robert, this guy's name is, does it anyway. He takes this woman instead of a man. Everyone's like, that's weird. But what they find out is he used to be a bull until he had a motorcycle accident and was injured. His back was injured, so he can't perform to the same level anymore. Or I think they are like, he might even just have like full-on erectile dysfunction. So this woman is somebody that he used to sleep with to cuckold the husband, but when he had his accident, he couldn't perform anymore, and they found somebody else. So it's like, not only was he hurt, but he was replaced, which is like an extra blow. And Luke's like, made him feel like a beta male. <laughs> we love like, to hear it. Luke, what's Luke, Luke into? What do you think Luke Luke's is, into? Luke is on that Sigma grind set, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. As soon as I said it, I was like, Omega Verse. And I was like, wait, we did both. <laughs> Didn't read that channel. <laughs> Sorry. So we're going to really, we're going to try so hard not to make an Omega Verse joke now. And I'm going to fail. I have an idea. You know what? I'm a real adult. I'm not about to make an Omegaverse joke on this podcast. I already made a joke about the autoerotic asphyxiation. You know, like, I feel like uh, I'm going to be a little too seen after this. So, like, not going to do it. James's face, though? James looks like they're going to fucking do it. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> James looks like they're winding up for the, like, fucking haymaker of the century right no. now. The Sigma grind set was good. The Sigma and grind I, set, I think, was a really unexpected right hook, and I think it was good, and I think we can I stop think there. I think we can leave it there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good. <laughs> I'm glad I just talked our viewers through the process of us making a single joke. <laughs> or not play making a joke. Okay. It's really interesting that you can tell that there were COVID protocols on set because they have, like, everybody's in, like, groups of two. And when they sit at the table, they're all spaced. Yeah. Out. So, like, yeah. you have JJ and Luke are, like, the two who are together for, like, this episode. And then you have, like, Emily and Tara are there. And then you have, like, Rossi and Penelope. And you can, like, you can tell. Guys, you can tell when shows are made with COVID protocols in mind. Yeah. Which is, like, good. I want everybody to be safe while they make TV and we do cool shit. That's great. I love that. But you can very much tell that they oh, yes. are, like... These were the two who were quarantined, so now they are the two who tested negative, so they're the two that are in this scene. Like, it's very obvious. Now that you say that, it, it really sticks out. It really does. Once you start noticing it, you never stop noticing it. So I'm sorry for cursing you like this. No, it's fine. It's good, though. It makes sense. They got a bigger table so they could space out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We have to skip over now to Penelope. Penelope gets the first GPS coordinate. And then she calls Rossi and she's like, here's the USB, take it. I'm not doing this. And he like kind of tries to convince her and she won't. And then, okay, we've talked recently about how Criminal Minds looks at therapy. Mm -hmm. Penelope like is going to ask something and Rossi's like, don't ask me, say it. And Penelope goes, have you been going to therapy since Crystal died? And Rossi's like, how dare you judge me? Um, and she's like, I'm not being judgy. And it was just like, Rossi is that old guy who's like, I don't need a shrink. I don't need to get my head shrinked, you know? 
He's like, you only go to therapy when you're weak. <laughs> but I do like that Penelope is like, I've been going to therapy. And it's good. It's good. Yeah. I really appreciate the way they talked about trauma in this moment. And I feel like it was very much Kirsten's import. You know, because in real life, Kirsten, like, banks mess. She is this kind of person. So I think it's very, you know, good that they had Penelope be like, I'm going to therapy. And my therapist told me, my licensed clinical social worker told me that I have trauma in my body from my childhood. And then I went to work in a job that continues to be traumatizing. And I thought that I was brave and strong for like pretending I was fine, but I wasn't, I was just pretending, you know, and I've been doing all this work now to stop pretending and to not be traumatized and to be happy and, like, you need to go to therapy because it is in your body, too. And Rossi's like, I hear you. I have this office case. And what I like is Penelope says, I miss you. I don't miss the work. And I like that. Yeah. I really like that. Especially after hearing Haley and Hotch, Haley being like, this is not who you are. This is what you do. And I like that now... In 2002, finally, <laughs> they're putting those boundaries in place. Everyone kind of is. It's really nice. I really yeah. like. I really like this whole yeah. show. I like this. I keep as a writer, as a story creator, I always like stress about writing too much character and not enough plot. And then when I watch something like this, where I'm, like, very happy to see JJ and Will, like, talking about their marriage and, like, Penelope telling us about therapy. I'm like, I could just watch them and not even have a case. And I'd be so happy. And I'm like, right. This is why we tell stories. We love characters. We love all of this. Yeah. Yeah, it's very good. Anyway, she gives Rossi the wispy. Then later she's meditating and the guy calls her and is like, did you look at them? And she says she gave them to the FBI and he's like, that's bad. Don't do that. Why'd you do that? So she calls Ross again. She's like, fine, let's go. And then when she's like walking down to hall, the hall to her office, I was like, she's literally returning to the site of her trauma. And they like play it like that too. Like that door at the end of the hall is like, yes. That's like a thing. Like they they shot this scene, I think, really, really well. I think so too. And when she opens it, you know, to see it like brightly lit, all the monitors are off. There's boxes. There's a one Cuisinart box. And I was like, how much was this product wasted? Because <laughs> yeah. everything else is a brown box, and then there's one Cuisinart box, which I love, but I also love the idea that Luke like bought an air fryer for the bullpen <laughs> kitchen, you know, like <laughs> he's like, I spent all my fucking time here. I need a gym. I need an air fryer. Luke would fucking love an air fryer. Absolutely. If we don't see his dog in these 10 episodes, I'm going to riot. I'm going to fucking riot. Show me Roxy. Show me that dog. I'm going to riot. Okay. She goes into the room 
who plays the music. Basically, we learn that they're connected to the transponders. In each box has a transponder, and that's how they are found by the lower tier on the sub. Each of the kill kits. Yeah, the they're kit. not just boxes. Let's be specific here. There's okay. so many boxes okay. everywhere. True. Okay. Yeah, the kill kits. Each of them has a transponder, and that's how they're found. Like that. So somebody has given Garcia the coordinates to each of these kill kits and we figure that out because tara is doing a beeping i thought it was gonna be a fucking bomb (laughs) that's what i thought but she's like everyone shut up and she like walks in and she pulls down the foam and she sees the transponder and she's like oh shit so she calls rossi and he's like wait jj and luke are on their way to one right now and the unsub no so elias Elias goes to the woods with a bunch of gas cans. He's also on his computer been looking up how to make an IED. He's in another one of those big storage containers. Yeah. Uh, that, is, like that is like buried underground. Yes. Yeah, in Georgia. And he's building a bomb. For sure. He's building a bomb. There's a bunch of gas cans, the wires. We saw the how to build a bomb on his computer before he went to that store. He's building a bomb. He also, though, has like news the police radio police scanner computer in that box so he hears about them going to kill robert harris or going to pick up robert harris going to pick up robert harris right and so he calls robert harris and he's like you broke the rules and we get two rules Three rules. The first one is, like, follow this guy's orders. Stop when he says stop. The second one is always go to a secondary location, which this guy didn't do because he has the box. He has the kill kit with the transponder in the same room as him so they can track him. And the third rule is to kill yourself instead of getting caught. So Elias talks this guy through cutting his own neck. Brutal. This show is much more gory than it was on. Yeah, and just the pictures on the boards, the bloody pictures, it's so much more blood. And they, they like, show the dude, the earlier dude, like, they show his back open, and you're like, oh, Oh, fuck. I literally, like, looked away from my computer. It was rough. I mean, I love it. So, but, yeah. So we learned those rules. We learned those rules. Robert kills himself. The woman gets rescued. Okay. There's that guy taken in. Can we talk about um, the Elias, the main guy, was buying supplies earlier to make more right. kill kits. He was yes. at a hardware store, and this is the whole thing where he didn't put on a mask, even though it would be better for his identity if he fucking did. And he was at a hardware store buying, like, duct tape. I wrote and, down like, what, he wrote, what he bought. Okay. Ten rolls of duct tape, six rolls of electrical tape, ten toggle switches for the bomb. Four wire nuts, four wire cutters, two small 12-volt batteries. And he buys all of this from some cute girl at the hardware store. Yeah, she has a dog named Moose. He does kill her and the dog. We see him with the collar later. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so a couple things here at the end. 
JJ and Will are talking, and JJ's like, do you think our fears come out in our sex lives? And then Will just goes, are you mad at me? Did I do something? I was Again? like... Here's the thing is I usually hate Will, but this Will is kind of fun. He's just like, did I do something wrong? Are you mad Truly, at me? What's going on here? We love this man. Like, and JJ's so like, funny. no. Yeah, it's like really cute. And JJ, twice this episode, JJ has panics about time. In the beginning, when she learns that Henry like maybe has a girlfriend, she's like, Oh my god, is this the beginning of it? He's gonna get his license. Henry's 13. He's gonna get his license. He's gonna go to college. We're never gonna see him again. He's gonna be made. And Will's like, calm the fuck down, JJ. Like, maybe this is just his first girlfriend. Like, it's okay. And then, at this point, at the end of the episode, she's like, there's not enough time. Two full-time jobs, and you have kids, and the bodies, and the this, the traveling. She's like, there's not enough time. There's never enough time. Uh, but she does, like, okay, we can work on us. Because earlier we learned that it's their date night, and she has to work because there's a new body. And Will's like, is our marriage okay? And she's like, yes, I love you. I love you so much. Sorry, it's weird. And so now it's the next morning after they've solved the case, and she's like, there's never enough time. But then she walks over all sexy and she's like, if we can't have a date night, maybe we can have a date morning. And then I think it's implied they like fuck in the kitchen. Oh, for sure. Maybe for not sure. in the kitchen because that's a little unsanitary, but the fucking is implied. Like the, the, the fucking is, is, no. is text. The, <laughs> yeah. the fucking is not subtext. It is no. fully text no. here. Okay. So then <sighs> cut to the BAU. Emily Oh, the shoulder pads on her blazers. Fuck me up, okay? Oh, God. Suit Emily, the blazer. We love it. We stand it. She's so hot. She's so Always. hot. She's, She's so, so hot. hot. And I love how they let her be a little more masculine again. Towards the end of the show, she gets a very feminine, like, kitten heels and dresses, and it's just wrong. I'm glad that they let her go back to, like, bougie pantsuit bougie butch like like a bougie butch and i love her i love us for that emily is like a bougie soft butch for sure she sees rossi who's wearing a suit and she's like welcome back and he's like i didn't go anywhere but like obviously he had because he was like casual friday on a thursday he's got a suit back on he's yeah. back baby he's back and they're like that's cool and then jj walks out of the elevator in a leather blazer okay emily looks at jj and immediately, no, JJ just got fucked senseless. <laughs> Emily's like, am I the only one not getting laid? What the fuck? And I... But can we talk about Rossi's line of, I'm not getting laid either? Because that is the funniest follow-up to that sentence. Like, Emily has had to, like, witness, like, she had to witness Tara and her girlfriend, like, yeah. having eye sex over, like bureaucratic procedures and then she has to <laughs> witness jj walking out with that like morning sex shine and she's like fuck am i the only one not getting laid around here and rossi in the fucking like in like the slyest way possible was like hey me either <laughs> just like emily's fuck, like they're funny. Emily, emily's like god i'm the only one not having sex around here and rossi says i have a dead wife 
And Emily's it's like, just so like, no, and then she turns, she turns around and she goes, "Oh my god!" Like, <laughs> so it's just funny. so funny. No, this it's show so is funny. a comedy. Also, Tara and her girlfriend. We didn't talk about it. Her girlfriend works for the Department of Justice, and Tara's all like, ah, smiling. As soon as that woman walks out, Rebecca walks out of the room. Emily just punches Tara in the arm and is like, "What the fuck, Tara?" And Tara's like, what, what? And Emily's like, are you fucking kidding me? How long has this been going on? And Tara's like, listen, I have dated women before, whatever. This, I'm very happy, a couple of months. And Emily's like, ah, ha, ha, we're going to give you so much fucking shit for this. I love that she's like, I'm very happy for you. We are going to give you shit for yes. this, by the way. So then later after this little convo where Emily, like, JJ walks in and Emily's like, did you have sex? <laughs> They walk into the bullpen and Tara's like, and Emily goes, yeah, Tara's girlfriend's going to tell us what's up with Bailey. And JJ's like, cool, cool. Sorry, I'm sorry. Did you say girlfriend? Not mentioned again. <laughs> I'm sure to come, I'm sure next episode we're going to fun like, what the fuck, Tara? You didn't tell any of us. But JJ's like, girlfriend? And then they get to the briefing room and JJ does like, look at Rebecca and like, look at Tara. And then like, they drop it. I love it. They're professionals, damn it. Professionals. So Tara's girlfriend has to sort of like give them the news. She's like, this is, um, all of this is classified. I'm not telling you this. Mm -hmm. um, but like the deputy director, Bailey, who is the villain of this season, who, by the way, just shout out to the guy who plays deputy director, Bailey, uh, Nicholas Diagnostio. Uh, he's from Omaha. Shout out to my Nebraska homies. We love to see it. Um, basically, this deputy director wants to reorganize the BAU and put it under domestic terrorism. And they're like, okay, so what does that mean for all of the agents here? And she goes around the table and points at each one of them. And she goes like, replaced, replaced, replaced. No. Or reassigned, 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 replaced, and then retired to Rossi. Oh, yeah. Emily's replaced and then retired as Rossi. And then the rest of the kids are reassigned. Which, like, reassigned to what? else are you what? doing? I just, is the implication that no one is going to be catching these serial, serial killers? criminals? In, in the real world, there are not that many serial killers. There are too many, but not that many. Yeah. In this, it's every week there's a serial killer. For 15 years, they have been catching between 20 and 25 killers a year. Okay? I don't know what the math on that is. Something like 500 serial killers. Is That's a lot. It's a lot. Is the implication no one is going to be stopping these murders? I guess. Because it's not y'all are going to become a unit of domestic terrorism and have, be subject to those rules. Like, I could get that. They're like, we don't want that kind of oversight. Sure. But they, are, they frame it as in there will no longer be a BAU, which is to me in this world, there's literally serial killing every week. Who's, what's happening Who's with that? Who's catching them? Who's stopping like, them? Like, and what's the here's the thing is like, I think like Luke has a skill set that he worked for like an FBI fugitive catching team before right. this. He has a skill set that you could reasonably apply pretty much anywhere, right? Because yeah. his Tara. whole first 
his whole first season arc was like him learning to him learning to profile to take the test right that was right. like his first big character arc tara though her like whole skill set is the academic side of catching serial criminals what are you gonna make her do what else is she gonna help with she definitely would like how gideon was teaching she would yeah, just exactly. become a professor but like but JJ. Like, but like, why do you teach that then if nobody in the FBI is going to be catching serial criminals anymore? That's true. JJ would to... go back to being media liaison for somebody doing Ew. something somewhere. I oh, the pay cut alone would be painful. Embarrassing. Like, what else are these people going to reasonably do at this point? Like, we they talked have about literally this. Literally been doing this for fifteen years. And we talk about this as we go through the main series. We will be talking about this more. Is like, mm -hmm. can you do anything else after you leave the BAU? No, you just sort of disappear into the ether. Yeah. Right? It's just like, what else are they going to... How else is the FBI going to reasonably get value out of these assets they have? They're not. They're going to yeah. need to stick them in something that's like the BAU. Like, this thing, this does not make sense. No, it doesn't make any sense. I think, like, there are some characters who have very specific backgrounds. Alex Blake was a professor, can go back to teaching linguistics. Like, Kate, I think, chooses to become, like, a stay-at-home mom or get transferred to something less. But um, she was on the, like, um, she yeah. was on, like, the CSA task force or something like yeah. that. What I mean is when they leave, they go on to do something very specific. Unless, like, like Elle quits law enforcement. She vanishes. She's gone. I was, I was like, bye. She's probably but working then, as like an accountant in Ohio. Right. When Emily leaves, she goes to Interpol and then comes back. Um, Gideon is like, I can't do this anymore. Bye forever. You know, when people, but when people leave, they go to do something specific. But like JJ, would she go back to work for the Department of Justice? Like, would she go back to working as like a army profiler i can't remember what the fuck she did uh it's just weird it's but she it was. was still a profiler then you it's know like profiler. yeah it's, emily it's, was a profiler but like for like super secret terrorists like okay. they would still be profilers like why is the i can see I if the argument would be we don't want this team to split up because our skill set is better best used together right right that's the plot of a lot of the later seasons of Criminal Minds, but we'll ignore yeah. the fact that they're doing it for the third or fourth time. Like, that would make sense. Here, they're just like, we don't want to go under the domestic terrorism. Newsflash, you're the FBI. Everything you investigate is domestic terrorism in some way, shape, or form. We're just FBI literally the point is, Emily makes. <laughs> FBI, the FBI is the domestic terrorist organization. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think, though, what's interesting is... So Emily becomes section chief. She was unit profiler and then unit chief and then a profile and then like Interpol chief and then uh, unit chief and then now she's section chief, right? I think what's interesting, it's like, who the fuck is this guy? Like he got promoted from the Department of Justice, which is not part of the FBI, I don't believe. They work with, but not part. Yeah. And then I just... After all the this way that time, Rebecca describes him as like he's been promoted because he's good at efficiency. He's good at spreadsheets and budgets. That's literally that's basically no, what yeah. they say. They're like on paper, the BAU is not a unit that makes money, which is like. But I, 
that's not the point but okay yeah but also one they're like you sent the shipping container which puts you over his new budget but it's like the budgets get passed once a year so like there's what are you talking about his proposed budget emily's even like i have discretionary funds i'm a section chief I'm allowed like, to do this. I can do this. I know what budget code to put it under. It's fine. Also, like, how much could it cost? It couldn't have cost that much. It was already a shipping container. Did they put it inside <laughs> a bigger shipping container? Just, like, put it on a boat and say, I guess it's in Washington. Put it boat on a train. would not work. A train it, or a, a plane. Train. Like, a train is probably how they transported it. That was probably the quickest way to do it. And trains aren't that expensive. Like, it's already a shipping container, guys. Guys. Okay. Anyway. But I just, like you said, we have done this plotline before. Why, once again, do they have to prove they are useful? Like, like, what are you talking about on paper? On paper, they've caught 500 serial killers. Like, Like, what? And even if... The the situation that we are presented with at the top of the uh, these two episodes is that they have been splitting up and been more efficient. They have been yes. doing more consultations. They don't necessarily need to leave DC to help the police do their job. Even throughout the whole series, there's like, hey, I mm-hmm. consulted on this case. I just sent it back to them. I gave them my notes. I sent it back. Like, that's a tangible right. thing that they do that helps catch criminals that cost, like, one person's salary for a day. That's You're the FBI. That's 500 in-person killers, not counting fuck knows how many consultations. JJ consultations, alone. the <laughs> like education part of it. Yes. These are a bunch of fucking professors that you gave guns and cowboy complexes to. Literally. Why are you firing them? Also, since when has this been a money making like they cost too much money? It's you're so still weird. gonna be in, you're still gonna be employing them. You're still gonna be using this office space and therefore the electricity. Like, I guess you're they gave up the jet, so all you're saving by moving shit around is like the occasional shipping costs and plane tickets. They're still gonna be employed still gonna have this office space like what is nothing's changed are they like you've been here too long your salary is too high because we have to keep increasing it every year like what are you talking about literally it's so weird this plot like okay whatever do i'm glad you you put on a show save the bomb catch the kidders whatever (laughs) it's just stupid it's so stupid can i talk about my other or can we talk about this little anonymous tipper that keeps giving Mm -hmm. garcia things because this leads into another conversation i want to have yeah this like sort of anonymous helper gives garcia coordinates and is like mad that she told the fbi but it's like reaching out to garcia specifically because he's like you're the only one that can help Mm -hmm. and then it's it's like some hacker dude right i don't know i don't know if this is Elias? I don't think it is. He looks like he does not want this to be happening. So is this your friendly neighborhood, like, hacker? I don't know. Anyway, can we talk about the fact that it's strange to be using this term on this show, but can we talk about, like, 
the power creep of the serial killers. Because eventually, these fucking serial killers from mainline criminal minds become like a fucking rogues gallery of Batman villains. Yeah, like, so... This happens, I think it's like really evident though when we put season three next to season 16 where we have fucking the Joker versus this dude who killed three people. Like, you have this like, this like super villain effect that they need to have to make the show keep having stakes. But eventually, like the last like three seasons are all just like single case seasons. You know what I mean? Like they're doing other things, but they're also like, finding the replicator and like finding Elias. What the fuck is his name? Fucking finding Everett Lynch or whatever. Like, yeah. What? So, okay. So you haven't seen these seasons, so you don't know this, but you might in season like 13, 12 by 13, one big serial killer opens the doors of like oh right yeah there. i saw that and they fucking let out all the other serial killers they let out and it was like, like why did you open the doors to arkham asylum why did you it, let them out okay it was literally like remember these 10 serial killers well the thing is is some of them are people we already know like the outfox guy right i think that's yeah. part of that but they also are just like hey these four killers though they caught off screen so they're, they're new killers but they have they already saw them bottom once so it's literally like they open the gates. We got to put them back in the jail. Now they're extra bad. There was one that was like silent and like the had to like cut his, yes. the silence. So that's his whole thing. And now this is like the, evo- the oh my God, the evolution, the evolution. of that. <laughs> of that where it's like, again, they're all, I think, okay. So this can go into our predictions section. Okay. Yeah. This show is ongoing. We don't know how it ends yet. I hate that, but here we, we are. are recording this. As of the time we are recording this, there are only two episodes out on Paramount right. Plus, and we have talked about all of them. So, I I think you're right about the Scooby Doo villain thing. Like I, I these think- killers eventually become fucking like Batman villains, and it's like, why is this man an expert in fucking network security? and military hardware and like what what i think what's gonna be really interesting and i hope they like (laughs) make it make sense because this guy so what it yes it is a network of serial killers Mm -hmm. what the fbi doesn't know yet though is that there is someone in charge Mm -hmm. and it is not a network you know, in the way that you would think about just like a bunch of killers trading tips. There is one of them who has reined in all of the others and is giving them tools, but also giving them permission and taking that permission. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you asked if the Anon was Elias. I could see that as an option. I could see him using his own serial killer tendencies to catch serial killers in his web, in his network, bring them to places, and then take them out. Like, what if his 13 bombs are, he's going to put in kill kits, 
so that when they go and get them, he blows them up, you know? But at the same time, it seems like he would have to adopt, like, we're losing some people to save more people, you know? Like, I'm letting this guy kill two people, but then I'm going to kill him, and I'll have saved all of his future victims. Like, that would kind of have to be the mentality that he has. But we saw him kill someone. He went and he killed that woman in the dark. So, like, I don't know that it's him. I don't think there's any way to guess to be a non-helper is yet. I definitely, number one, I don't think it's Elias. Mm-hmm. Unless they're really trying to do a really poorly done dissociative identity disorder storyline, but they've oh already done God. poorly done we've... dissociative identity disorder storylines. We've been there. We've done I it. I just think the way they are framing this dude Elias right now, or Sicario, or whatever his fucking serial killer gamer tag is, is like it's a little bit power creepy. You know what I mean? Like I feel like over time. In the later half of Criminal Minds, they had, like, Mr. Scratch and the Reaper and the Crimson King and whoever, 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 right? Like, Lady X. Like, they had all of these, like, long-term killers that sort of became fucking Batman villains by nature of having to stay ahead of the entire fucking FBI. And, like, now they have this problem of, like, this man is the Joker. That's it. Like, that's his whole... He is the king of serial killers. He's the best serial killer to have ever serial killed. (laughs) What? I... Like, I just... I'm interested to see how they either rein in or adjust for the power creep that they've had over the season. I think in a similar vein... The fact that the villains, the fact that it goes from like unsubs to villains, truly are right. It has turned the BAU into superheroes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They are they are somehow the FBI and the underdogs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? They're other federal agents and the underdogs, you know, and it is always interesting to see them go head to head with these big killers because we we look at them and we're we're supposed to see the BAU as just people. These guys are crazy and this and that and these are just people who have to catch them. But at the same time they've got these like preternatural ability to like read people's fucking brains. So I think it's interesting on a case like this like I think they've set up evolution as you're right it is a batman except none of the bau is batman they're all robins (laughs) it's a team full of robins going after the joker truly teen titans it's they're the fucking teen titans it's just like i was thinking about this as we were as I was watching the second episode and there was like encrypted call after encrypted call after yes. fucking kill kit after bomb making after whatever 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 and I was just like are you a Batman villain? Like the- even that season 12 
12 or 13 storyline where they open up the doors. It's like, okay, why are you fucking sending Batman into Arkham City? You know, like, this is the plot of Arkham Asylum. You've just done the, you've just done one of the best Batman properties. Like, what, what is this? Truly DC is Gotham in this world. Literally. Yeah. I think what is going to really make this, make or break this, is if this guy is going to realistically have received, earned these skills. What I do appreciate, so he's building this bomb, Mm -hmm. but they show him looking up how to build a bomb. (laughs) And then earlier in the hardware store, he's talking about how he's like, he's in network security. So like being able to secure his shit makes sense. Yeah. So I think if it turns out that he's got some like high level network security job, like he's not just like a geek squad member. Like sometimes they have these killers just be like telephone repair men, but then they're like the best hackers except for Penelope, you know? And it's like, okay, yeah, get a it's like, job. okay. So you're, you're a rogues gallery. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I, I think if they like have this guy have a reason or they show us, how he learned these skills. Like they're really going to have to convince us that this guy, like I'm, I'll say it being able to research means you're able to do a lot of shit. Yeah. So if he has just spent a lot of time looking up what goes in a kill kit, how do I build a transponder? How do I build a bomb? What are the best hiding spots for things? Like I could see that. But they're going to need to show us that. They're going to need to build it's... this guy up as like the king of the serial killers. Yeah. I don't like when they just already have these skills and yeah. no one questions them. Oh, he was in the military. That's why he knows how to, you know, gut pigs. Like, okay. Okay, sure. Whatever. Sure. I also wanted to note that when they show us this guy is when he returns home to Seattle. When he returns yes. home to Seattle. Uh, you can see in his house, it's one of those very like high-tech billionaire houses and it has like one of the things i like is they showed like an office where it had like his desk and then like two other people's desks so it Mm -hmm. very much looks like this is the kind of guy who runs a startup out of his house and he has like the he has like his his wife and the two girls or whatever like Mm -hmm. i like that they're sort of setting him up as like I don't, I'm not going to like it if they make him fucking just like the Joker, but I do like that they're setting him up as somebody who like, he knows his way around computer shit and that's how he's gotten this far. Yeah. And he has money and he has power and he clearly has a excuse to be traveling, you know, like I would like, of time. right. So they, he, this whole, these whole two episodes, which only span like four days. days. Yeah. It's not very long. It's not very long at all. I appreciate that. I would appreciate it if they show us what he does on these trips. Like we just saw him in Georgia for like a long weekend or something, you know? Yeah. I, I would like to see him at a conference. Yeah. Look, checking out some new gadget that like, okay, then he built it at home and then he used it in a bond. Like I would love for him to be too good at researching and too good at finding things and he finds something too new or too specific and that's how they like get him that would be really cool to me yeah i think they're gonna just 
what makes what will make or break this whole series for me is how they build him up because mm-hmm. like in the past they've just sort of like given us these batman villain serial killers and that's cool and all and i love that right it's cool um they have more time to build this guy up and they already have started building him up. Mm -hmm. I think they've done some very deliberate choices, which I like, Mm -hmm. but like, you're going to need to like build this guy. You're going to need to build this guy as King of the serial killers. Otherwise I'm not gonna, I don't like, I'm not going to believe you. And I think they've done a good job so far with the other two serial killers we've seen RJ and Robert if any of the other serial killers that are beneath this guy are too good, yeah, mm-hmm. it is going to be hard to believe that this guy is in charge. And I, But I like what they've done so far. Both of these people have been incredibly insecure mm-hmm. and they need an alpha figure to tell them what to do. And I like that Robert didn't listen to him when he said stop. Yeah. Like this isn't a perfect network he doesn't have full he's not a puppet master like right now it's like this is the guy with the money and the information and that's why they're listening to him but he's not like the boss yeah he doesn't have complete power and i like he's that not the I fucking godfather him. they don't have to kiss his ring or, right or come to him on the day of his daughter's wedding like right this he is just, just is, a guy who's helping yeah. finance and give you tips Exactly. And I really like that. I like, I am, see, here's the thing. I love these two episodes. I think they're doing great, but I know Criminal Minds. I and know, exactly. And what kills me about watching something live, episode by episode, is I, I don't know if they nailed it or not. <laughs> I know, I know. And that's the fun part. Oh, I don't I hate know it. if they'll nail the landing. If if we watch this ten episodes, eight episodes left, okay. If we get to the last episode, and it is unsatisfying, I'm gonna riot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, okay. yeah. So let's talk about predictions for or thoughts, whatever, on personal character arcs. Okay. Okay. Tara and her girlfriend better fucking stay together. They for sure are. I love they them. I to. love her. I love her. I love them. Tara is happy. I love that, that like, happy. I love that we have this little, like, informant whose only payment is in the form of, like, kisses. kisses. Like, I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Truly. <laughs> I okay. also love, I don't know if you noticed this, but Tara's girlfriend is at the perfect height for forehead kisses. And I just got to say, if I don't get one, I'm going to fucking lose my mind. And that's a yeah. promise. That's so a promise to you. So here's a couple things. We didn't see anything about Emily's life. We did not. Nothing. Nothing. Or we only saw Tara and her girlfriend. So I hope we see their lives expanded beyond. Okay. Two. Here's another reason why I hate these episodes. I have hope in my heart again. I know. Isn't Criminal Minds, isn't it just like that? When you're I, like, I've come through the darkest night, and here is the <laughs> dawn, and I am hopeful for a new day. But I don't think we're going to get it. Here's the thing, though. Uh-huh. I, I need Emily Prentice to be gay. Like, I need air. Okay? <laughs> I had... This is so embarrassing. I had a dream 
where JJ literally, where JJ and Emily had a conversation about how they almost were something. And Emily just didn't say anything in time. And Will just got there first. And Emily was like full breakdown, 52, being like, why wasn't I good enough? And I woke up and I was like, if this woman does not find happiness, I'm going to fucking riot. Okay, I, I want to make it clear. I don't want Emily to happen. I don't. I hate it. It would be terrible. It is too late for them. And that's part of their beautiful tragedy. Okay. That's part of the tragedy. Emily, however, is single, apparently, not getting laid. Tragedy thought, for that woman. Didn't she end the... She ended the show with a with boyfriend, a boyfriend right? Mendoza. Yeah. He had a son. Except she's single now. They didn't mention it. But somebody asked Paget, hey. Somebody asked Paget, hey. Is Emily single in the upcoming season? Or is Emily in a relationship in the new season? And Paget said, no, she's single. And everyone went, hey, Paget, is she single... As in, like, she's a lesbian? No response. No response. So I, 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 okay. On the one hand, it feels like it's too late. On the, on the one other hand, hand? On the other hand, Patrick Brewster will not anything. stop. Patrick she Brewster will not stop, and she does want this to happen. That's the thing. It's like, okay. Here's how you make it up to us, Criminal Minds. Okay. If you just make, it. if you make Emily either a lesbian, and those were beards and bad decisions, or bi, I'll take it. I'm, I'll I'm take bi, it. I love it. We love it. If you just make Emily romantically and sexually interested in women, I will forgive you for queer baiting me for 15 fucking years. Wow, that's a big forgiveness right there, Bessie. Because, it, because the thing is, the reason I can like forgive Criminal Minds the show for the all the queer baiting that was it was there. It was is, Oh yeah. Like that was fully queer baiting is that Emily was supposed to be a lesbian. Paget played her as queer. They they did their best because but they weren't allowed and so if this if they are now streaming and they've already made a gay so we know they're down with the gay we know that they're like they they're the, open like, to it the beards are off gang anything right. can happen <laughs> so if they say hey we finally have the space to do this we're finally making emily gay then we can turn around and look at those 15 seasons and say, she was gay all along, guys. She really was. But as it stands right now, that was some bullshit for 15 fucking years, okay? And that's why I'm so, like, I'm so fucking torn. I don't know what I want. I don't know what I, like, do I, do I just stay here in my how fucking dare you, but also you tried your best? But also... And Aisha Tai is a lesbian in real life. I'm yeah. happy that she was able to have a gay relationship on screen. Are they? There's only like five of them now. Are they going to make two of them gay? You <laughs> yeah. know? 
You know, actually, that's a like you kind of got to play the numbers game here. And I don't watch. Here's my prediction, actually. Here is one prediction that you can, I will put money on it. What? A minor antagonist or like serial killer of the week or villain of the week or that deputy director Bailey is going to turn out to be gay. The serial ki- one of the killers, obviously, I think that's a given. But then I also think one of the like side characters, like Deputy Director Bailey, is gonna turn out. You're gonna see him like at a romantic dinner with his husband. Like I think, I think they will do gay rights, but they will also do gay wrongs. I think we've gotten yeah. our one gay right for the series. I think we're due for a gay wrong. I hate the society that we live in. That I saw Tara be gay and I went, no, I wanted Emily to be gay because in my heart of hearts, I know there cannot be two. You know the numbers game that we're playing here. You know that we got our gay right and we are going to get a gay wrong. Penelope has always been a thin veil. (laughs) A very (laughs) thin veil. The closet has always been glass for Penelope. (laughs) Penelope has been in a glass closet. I don't think they're going to put any labels on Penelope, which I will accept as that means she's queer. But, the, okay, here's the problem. They're all gay, right? Yeah. We know, we know that. For sure. I'll give, I'll give Rossi his, like, one on the Kinsey scale. Like, he's straight, but on, like, a lonely night traveling with Gideon, you know. I'll give that to Rossi. He was in the military. It was a little. It was a whole. It was know. all the rage. <laughs> I'm not gay, but I but I won't say no if I'm lonely. Like I'll give that to Rossi. Luke, by rights. Penelope, sure. by rights. Tara By rights? Or repressed. Tara no. Tara was I'm bi, but I'm only gonna date guys. And now she's I'm bi, but I've already dated men. So <laughs> you know. That's where I put Tara. Functionally a lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want to take away from her, like, the fact married that she had and then a, a fiancé, right? Yeah. And a fiancé, yeah. So I'm not going to take away from that, because by rights all around. But I do think she is in her women era, okay? JJ is, I'm bi, but I've found a long-term male husband, and so I don't feel the need to label myself. That's JJ. And that's valid. And that's valid. I know people like that. Emily is a big old question mark. (laughs) Emily is a lesbian. Is a lesbian. I, okay. This is what I said before watching these two episodes. And I, I think I stick with it. I would be happy with Emily going on a, oh no, I've been a lesbian this whole time journey. I'm with you. I don't think she's going to have an, oh no, I've been a lesbian the whole time journey. I think what is more likely to happen is you'll see there's going to be some scene in a fucking like gay club where like Tara's phone rings and she like has to like she's out on a date with like her girlfriend or whatever. She has to like pick up the phone or whatever. And then like she's like, okay, yeah, I'll call Emily. And then she calls Emily and then across the room. she's also in the gay bar. (laughs) Exactly. Across the bar, Emily picks up her phone and they have this like Spider-Man meme moment. And then like it's not mentioned. And then it is literally will never be mentioned again. Or I need... Emily to just like 
meet another FBI woman and they like become they start flirting and the team acts like it's completely normal as if it were a man like Emily gets like the team Emily actually has been out this whole time that's why they never mentioned it <laughs> everyone's known this whole time they just haven't told us yet <laughs> right they just didn't bother to tell us right so like she just like meets a woman is like oh yeah we spent the night together they like show up in the same clothes or like arrive somewhere together and she's Emily's like yeah we might be having a fling and everyone's like oh look at you you dog and then but no one mentions that it's a woman no one is surprised that it's a woman. <laughs> okay. Anyway. So beyond character sexualities, which I swear to God, I really hope that we continue exploring because I think it's very fun. Yes. I think it's a good, yeah. like they just obviously like they didn't do it for fucking 15 years, right? Like mm-hmm. whatever, right? What else? Any other predictions we got for the next few apps? Do you think we're going to have, okay. Is it implied that Elias is the original box killer too? I, because it's that started in two thousand and five, and the yeah, and the 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 implication is that he's in his forties, which is fine. JJ is JJ is forty five, so like it's totally possible that he started when he was twenty five, twenty six, and perfected it. But also, we saw the guy that killed in that box at the beginning of the first episode, and it was not Elias. I don't... I think it is meant to make you be like, oh, is that the same guy? But I don't know as though it is. Now, here's another theory I have. Okay. It was Elias' father. And Elias' father died in 2020 of covid and Elias took up his work. That would explain his skills, the same box, why he's trying so hard. I how he learned. Yeah. I'm kind of with you on that theory. Cause he was like a much shaggier haired dude, and I don't know if like Elias got that many haircuts and like Right. I well, like how like that's the thing that I like. <laughs> the hair. I don't know if he would have cut his hair in the past, <laughs> the past nineteen years. years. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> I just think it would make sense if it was some sort of like father and son thing. Yeah, I think that would have been interesting. And the pictures were like a learning tool. Yeah. But then, why has it sat vacant for two years? He moved on to a different box. He got his own box. I think we will find more mass graves, more boxes. Interesting. Because he has the one that's in the like cellar, like that's concreted in. But I think we'll yeah. find. I think they will find another box that is like buried in a similar manner and has similar bodies in it. I think. But I think. I think what's interesting is Elias's box is clean, no yeah. bodies. Like he has just started this box. Maybe he has other boxes. I think we will find more boxes and I think we'll find Mm -hmm. perhaps the lesser serial killers using the boxes. But I also think we will find other boxes that Elias uses. That's fair. I think that's my prediction. I would love the numbers in this Criminal Minds universe. Okay. Like there are, yes, there are X amount of people that go missing every year that are found dead and never identified, etc. But Criminal Minds is like, yeah, every single one of that, those missing people 
is serial killers. All of them. Everyone. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, how does how does that world, how does Criminal Minds World not live in fucking fear? <laughs> yeah. Con- like, literally, I've learned anybody, anytime, could have killed 200 people. <laughs> and, and you would never know. the world's best serial killer. I just, like, I would love the fucking numbers. No one goes missing. They are serial killers. Nobody ever. Yeah, exactly. Nobody ever. And there's always more. There's always more. I just, like, Jesus Christ, I would be. <laughs> it's fucking Gotham up in there. It really is. I'm sorry, but once I say, like, Rogue's, Rogue's Gallery yes. of Batman villains, everything about late criminal minds starts to make more sense. It really does. That's amazing. I'm sorry about it. You're welcome. I'm sorry. We'll keep an eye on that power creep. Next week, we are... Next week, the episode that releases next week is going to be In Name and Blood. Mm-hmm. Right? Season That's, 3, yeah. episode 2. Season 3, episode 2, In Name and Blood. And then the week after that, we'll be back to talking about evolution. Maybe we'll talk about episodes 3 and 4? Yeah, I mean, I think we'll have a lot less to catch up on, so it'll be a lot easier to yeah. look at the episodes. We might just so do... So we'll, we'll yeah. sort of... Here's how the thing is going to go. We're going to do an episode of Season 3, and then we're going to do an episode of Evolution, and then Season 3, and then Evolution, and we'll be coming out with episodes, drumroll please, weekly. And everybody yeah. cheered, and everybody clapped, and is screaming and crying and throwing up in the streets. And, Everybody's and so happy. Everyone believes that James can do it. And everybody believes that James will get these episodes up Wednesday. Time-wise, will definitely be up during Wednesdays and not 1 a.m. Thursday morning. It will always be (laughs) on Wednesdays for sure. James has therapy at 11 on Wednesdays. So if they need to finish editing, they can do it Wednesday morning. And all the episodes will be out Wednesday afternoon. (laughs) I love that you're putting this in front of yourself. I love that you're giving yourself your own sort of like Sisyphean boulder to push up the hill. And you know it's going to roll back down and we're not going to release an episode on Thursday. But you are rolling it up that hill. You, the other option is this takes 15 years. (laughs) Okay. No, I know. The two options are edit and post once a week. Or this takes 15 years, okay? I know, and I love and you for it. And they're making more. I love you for it because I also edit and post after bi-weekly. It's because I edit and post after bi-weekly that I know um. exactly your time management struggles, Bessie. It's okay. Mm-hmm. I know. So that's it for this week's episode of Wheels Up. I'm super mm. glad that we have evolution here. I'm super glad that we're back, that we have I'm new... I'm hyped. That we have new... Good quality criminal minds. Guys, the gifts I'm making. The aspect ratio is a little weird, but the quality of the gifts I'm making. The fact that we're out of criminal minds being shot on fucking 35 millimeter. Oh, baby, we're in HD now, besties. (laughs) We're in HD streaming. They say fuck. (laughs) They get to swear. And I love that for them. Yeah. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr at WheelsUpPod. Uh, if you want to give us a correction, you can do so by emailing us, wheelsup at brightcrownmedia.com, or by sending us a voice message on Anchor. Uh, if you would be so kind, it would be great if you would leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Raider Podcast five stars on Spotify. Thank you. James. Yeah. 
Festy, my friend. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's me. James, for season 16 or season 1, episode 1, or season <laughs> 16, episode 1, what are mm-hmm. you ranking this episode on a scale of 1 to 10? Maybe I'm just so happy to see these beautiful people on my screen. It was a, I think it was a really good first episode. I'm going to give it an 8. Give it, gonna give it an 8. All right. I'm going to give it an 8 point. I'm going to give it an 8.5 because I hate it when people are mean to Penelope. And then for (laughs) season 16 slash season 1, episode 2, Sicarius. You're giving it an 8.5 because you're mad at it? Do you mean 7.5? No, I do mean an 8.5. I was going to give it a 9, but then it got Uh, pushed a half a point because people were mean to Penelope. So Sicarius? I'll give it an 8.5. 8.5. I was going to go with you. I'm going to give it a nine, actually, because I do genuinely enjoy it. God, it's really good, isn't it? It's a... Criminal Minds can be good. The fact that it can be good is insane to me. And Criminal Minds can be good, and Criminal Minds can be gay. A shock to us all, truly. A shock to us all. Hey, that's it for this episode. I promise I won't forget things they didn't say wheels up and they did say the episode title in the name of the episode so mm-hmm. or they did say the episode title in the episode itself whatever you get what i fucking nobody cares about these stats but me <laughs> james fuck yes. it give me my ending quote okay uh like luke says hey <laughs> i'm not here to kink shame you like, they talked about they said kink so much kink a lot i feel like, like they were lot. just chomping at the bit to get off of the network so they could um, talk nom, about thing. they were like we have this is what we need to move off of cbs for we need to get off of cbs so jj can be like oh yeah i peg real all the time like- <laughs> yeah they sure do <laughs>